to be a good man. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish ordeal. Something evil. Wanna be honest about something here? Homunculi freak me the fuck out. Homunculi? Yeah. I don't like what they're up to. I don't like what they fucking do. Not recommended for impressionable children. Oh, not this episode. This episode's gonna be a, a, a pit of filth. <laughs> for some of the things we're gonna discuss. And yes, we will learn more about homunculi later uh, in the program. So. <laughs> and we get to hear uh, fuck being used on the BBC. <laughs> oh, yeah. And on HBO. Oh, wow. and HBO Prime quite a bit, too. So, or HBO oh, yeah. Max, rather. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, this is January fourteenth, twenty twenty-two, and uh, we are not necessarily going full birthday theme like we typically do on the program. Uh, we're gonna do a, kind of a roundup of a lot of things that we've been watching on the TV and and movies and stuff. Obviously, we're not going to the theaters, but we're streaming stuff. Um, yeah, so this is our binge-worthy. Uh, uh, second week of January show with some recommendations for everybody out there and, um, you know, and we're going to discuss some shows that we have all watched, uh, on our own and together and what have you. And of course, welcome to the show and you will have a birthday presentation for us, uh, at the end of the show tonight, Michelle, uh, yes. and, uh, looking forward to that. So, uh, welcome and tell us who you're going to be talking about. We will be talking about everybody's beloved Monty Python member, Graham Chapman. Oh, yeah. Hey. So, amazing, uh, amazing performer and left us way too soon, way too soon. So Yeah, he had a troubled life, so I can understand. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Miles, you're going to be talking uh, some more science tonight and uh, maybe a little bit of other stuff in your segment uh, at the top of Hour 3. Um, and of course, you're going to be talking about, you're going to be re revisiting a subject that you talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Yes, yes. The, uh, the James Webb Telescope is is on its way, deploying, and all, yeah, we're, we're, I, I'm, I'm stoked for it. Yes, yeah, I am too. And, uh, and Joe Santorza, of course, uh, also uh, heard on the Tim Coromel Show. Uh, welcome back, my friend. Hi. It's cold and, here in Scranton, and I know it's cold in Cleveland. Yeah, we have a winter storm advisory going on for the next three hours. So, but it really isn't doing much. It's just it's a little slick out there. I went to CVS to the uh, earlier today in the parking lot. I was on a parked on a hill, and I was like, "Ooh, uh, I'm not wearing good shoes for this." <laughs> <laughs> skis, so, skis. You need yeah, skis. Yeah, um, need something. I need some cleats or something. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, now we're going to talk about a show that we've all been watching, uh, on HBO, but, but I do have a quick clip. I forgot about this of a show that uh, I don't know if Joe has ca caught up on, uh, season 11. I know you are a big fan. I'm a big fan. Curb your enthusiasm. Did you watch the latest season, Joe? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> well, I have one clip from the season, from the first episode of the season. 
Um, uh-huh. and, and it does, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Albert Brooks, uh, <laughs> of course, legendary Albert Brooks is holding a, mm-hmm. uh, a faux funeral for himself because he's like, mm-hmm. why do you want to wait until you're dead to hear all, all the nice things people say about you? So of course, Larry, <laughs> Larry David is invited to speak. Doesn't take, take it seriously at all. Of course. Um, you know, and he's like, uh, and he's like, I was going to leave him some faux money. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and you know, uh, if you invite Larry David, nothing could go wrong. No, nothing could go wrong at all. And, <laughs> but, uh, so, so Larry gives his little, uh, little part of the speech and, uh, Miles and Michelle, you'll appreciate this cause it's very timely. Um, but, uh, so, so he leaves and John Hamm takes over, um, uh, the, the eulogies at the fake funeral while Albert Brooks watches on a TV with his girlfriend upstairs. And so, so Larry decides, you know, oh, well, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go find the bathroom. And, uh, of course he bumps into Jeff's wife uh, while he's looking for the bathroom this is how that goes albert was one of the great american filmmakers of his or of any generation and where you going bathroom i'm after you okay. don't let anybody else go in that was the movie i always wanted to make about so Larry's looking for the bathroom that is how much his art resonated not that door before i got a chance to know him as a friend i was just a fan i wish i had one more chance another just door. to tell him how much lost in america resonated with me Oh my God! He's a COVID hoarder. <laughs> Albert Brooks is a COVID hoarder. He's a fucking COVID He's hoarder. A COVID. Albert's a COVID hoarder. Are you kidding me? What the fuck are you doing in the closet? What's going on here? Look at all that toilet paper. And Purell. First responders could have used all of that stuff. <laughs> Why are people in that closet? Wait a minute. Are you really a COVID one? Hey, hey. This is unacceptable. What? What's going on here? What the fuck is wrong with you? You're sitting over there with a closet full of fucking toilet paper? Have you no shame, Albert? A A Shonda. I just moved in here. This used to be a CVS. <laughs> you know I hope you really die. John, this was beautiful. Come back. Come on, Jeff. We're out of here. This is a mistake. You disgust me. Shame on you, Albert Brooks. Come back. I've got flu shots. (laughs) Maybe we'll try again next year. So yeah, Albert Brooks, COVID hoarder. <laughs> yes. So oh, that boy. so that funeral did not go as planned. No, no, John Ham. I hope you really die. <laughs> I told you every time you invite, uh, anytime you invite uh, Larry David, Larry David <laughs> to anything, just you're asking for trouble. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. So just don't. And when one last thing I want to say to you, Joe, is <laughs> anyway, uh, that's I don't know uh, if if we're giving too much away, but I don't think so. Whole, Out of context, that's the whole. That's yeah. the whole story arc. Yeah. The whole story arc is is uh, about a four foot fence. We'll just leave about it about a four that. foot fence that's not around his pool. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, yes, and so, uh, but yeah, so uh, on to to more serious topic though the, uh, of a show that we've all been watching. Um, I know I finished it yesterday. The last episode came out yesterday, and Susan and I watched it, and um, very very impressed. I'm not going to say anything about the final episodes, and I don't want to spoil the series for anybody. 
at all. I just kind of want to get everybody's different take on it and talk about maybe some of the characters and, and whatnot and the framing devices, things like that. <laughs> but um, uh, so, Miles and Michelle, you said you're up to episode six, correct? I am up to I'm just at the end of episode six. Miles has only seen one and two. Okay. And um, and what do you think now that you've you've been watching a little bit more, Michelle? Um, I it's beautifully written. I yeah. like the premise, but it's a little too thick and a little too heavy for me to really, really enjoy. Gotcha. But um, uh, creative use of landmines. That's all I will say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and uh, listen to the trailer for Station Eleven, uh, which just released its tenth and final episode on HBO Max yesterday. All that matters is the now and what got us to this point. Stay with me, sir, stay with me. Where? Where's your mom or dad? I don't know. I can't leave you here. I'll walk you to the L. I think this thing is really happening. You can see it out there. Uh, can I have your attention, please? We have shelter. We have food. This is the best thing that could have possibly happened. We're the Traveling Symphony. We travel for a reason. Let's try to make the world make sense for a minute. No one finds people from before. Sometimes I think we should be out there looking for them. I come to you with an invitation to the Museum of Civilization. Beware the prophet. Beware the children who follow him. What happened to you in the first 100? I was lucky. You had grown up and cared about me. Welcome to the Museum of Civilization. Before. It's coming back. I won't let it. We have to abandon the future! All that matters is the now and what got us to this point. We're in this together, and we're a family now. So, how many people have we seen now? Plow guy, the two bandana meth guys. Mm, the lady with no eyes. The lady with no eyes. <laughs> so, uh, the the film itself, uh, the, I would have to say that the absolute two central characters to um, the film, um, the the miniseries, um, is, the two central characters are Kirsten and Jeevan, Levin Jeevan, Levin Jeevan, yeah, and and uh, Kirsten is played by two different actresses. One that you might recognize, Mackenzie Davis, who was in uh, the last Terminator movie. She also had a decent role in uh, Blade Runner twenty twenty or twenty forty nine, 
um, and was on Halt and Catch Fire, which I think was a Showtime series, I think, um, which was a pretty cool series uh, with Lee Pace in it, too, who uh, played Ronan in the MCU, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and the Captain Marvel movie. And um, uh, Himesh Patel, I'm not familiar with him, plays the character of Jeevan. Uh, but, oh, yeah, Matilda Lawler, fantastic young actress, plays young oh. Kirsten. Uh, just, so good. Yeah, absolutely. The, the ca- it's, it's a great ensemble cast. There's uh, some famous faces in there, uh, some fan favorites, like uh, Michelle pointed out, Lori Petty. Um, mm-hmm. David Cross actually yeah. has a decent-sized role <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, which yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And when I saw the, the trailer for or the teaser for whatever episode he showed up on episode four or whatever. I was like, Oh my God, David Cross is going to be in this mm-hmm. briefly. Uh, so <laughs> I'll just say I, that. I recognize Laura, Laura Petty right off the bat. I didn't even see her, but I heard no. her voice. Yes. Very specific voice. Yep. And I thought orange is the new black. <laughs> yeah. She was in, she was, she was in, she was in several episodes of that. Yeah, and she's you know she's kind of a chameleon in this at least physically. I didn't I didn't recognize it because I'm more familiar with her from like the the '90s stuff that she did. Um, uh, well, she played the same almost the same character in Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, I didn't. Same glasses, I, I never watched same it. Yeah, shaved head. You know. Um, yeah, Susan probably would have recognized her from that. Um, but yeah, just lots of, and a lot of great character actors that I've seen a few other places, uh, like Gail Garcia Bernal, who played Arthur, uh, who uh, was the actor on the stage uh, of, uh, what What was that, was it Hamlet? Was the play? Uh, is it the one that had the heart attack? Yeah. He King was Lear. King Lear. King yeah. Lear, King Lear, I'm sorry. I get King my Lear. Shakespeare mm-hmm. screwed up. Um, Easy to do. <laughs> or King Lear, or, or subtitled, don't have daughters. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it, it, a really fantastic cast, a, a ensemble cast, a big cast. And what's interesting about this show is it was created and they started filming it before we were in a pandemic, and they completed it during a pandemic and it had to be pretty surreal for them because it was about a, a catastrophic and apocalyptic pandemic about a civilization flu. ending. Yeah. yeah. About yes. a, the flu that killed everybody. You know, there was no internet. I love the scene in the first episode and in, in, in the, I don't know if it was the first episode or not. Um, I, I get confused because there's so many time jumps in this. Um, and you know, it goes to the past and then it goes to the present. Um, and, but there's one scene where, um, Mackenzie Davis as Kirsten is, uh, trying to explain how cell phones used to work to, uh, Alex from the traveling circus, who was a, a post pan, right? That's what they call them. Right. Uh, children born after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like, okay, so. You know, so I just use this and I can get a ride. And, you know, <laughs> how many? Yeah. Ro- <laughs> yeah and, and she was like, and how, how many, many plays? How many plays could you put on this? Yeah, all of, all them. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, and then she turns around and says, eh, they weren't that that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> the scene I like is the one I put in, in chat uh, showing uh, when she's sitting in the apartment and she's watching out the window as the plane crashes. 
Oh yeah. And she it doesn't she just say it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, was, uh Mm-hmm. It was especially um, poignant because, first of all, let me say this. Remember I was talking about Doctor Who last week, how incoherent the latest chapters of Doctor Who have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And it, it was because it, there was a lot of jumping back and forth. This is an example of how you could, he could have pulled that off in Doctor Who. Sure. And be coherent because mm-hmm. there was so many back and forth in time periods but it was totally understandable and every every time he flashed back it made sense it was explaining something in the present so that there's an example of of coherent writing versus non-coherent writing yeah that's yeah. just my observation it's a uh, it, 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 and the thing is, this is one of those uh, um, shows where um, you, the more they jump back and forth, you can start to make a lot of guesses for what's going on yourself. And um, mm-hmm. I got a few of them right, few of them wrong, um, but um, I got to say the 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 payoff when you get to the end is is very satisfying. Um, on a lot of different levels, but I don't want to say too much uh, for those yeah. who haven't seen it. I didn't realize they were dropping these one week at a time, and I never saw the last one. Well, they actually thought, no, they were dropping them Dr. two two at a time. I think they did they did them uh, they did one, and then they did two, 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 and then one. Or the last one like I saw that. was Doctor Chandra. Uh, yeah the 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 last one, and came I thought out that yesterday. was I thought that was the finale. No, uh, the last <laughs> and the I last thought one. that didn't end the way I thought. No, no, there's one more. You, you're up to oh, episode okay. nine. It's like they released yeah. them uh, like they did the first episode, then they did two, and then mm-hmm. two, and then two, and then two, and then the last one. So they were basically released them two at a time, except for the first and the last episodes. All so, right. um, but yeah, and um. But Miles, another interesting aspect yeah. of this move of this series that they did, the producers did very well, was if you noticed every other episode, one was char- about characters and one was about the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, they would pick a character in one episode and then they would continue to tell the story. Then they'd pick another character. So yeah. you know you might have. The little girl, you might have Clark, the friend of uh, Leander, you know all those, yeah. all those different. But the way he juxtaposed, the way he created each episode to either tell the story or tell about a character. Yeah, it was interesting the way he did that. Well, I'll tell you what. And after watching this, there's one character um, uh, you're gonna want to watch at. Uh, one one actress you're going to want to watch out for, and that's uh, Danielle Deadweiler, who played Miranda Carroll, who was the one who created the graphic novel. I I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of her after this. Um, because I like her a lot. She's she, one of the characters I really felt strongly connected to. Well, that's mm-hmm. that part when um, when uh, uh, Arthur uh, Leander, uh, played by, you know. The well, I don't want to get into too much about who he was, but when Arthur offered to buy the buy a drawing from her, and the laugh that she gave out 
in the restaurant was like it was such a great reaction it was so great but mm-hmm. uh but miles what what are your impressions from the uh first two episodes i know it didn't really really pull you in but uh any observations that uh um of yours yeah it um so i'm watching it it does jump around and i'm able to follow the story i'm trying to make sense of uh this post post apocalyptic moment and um i like i like a bit of realism in my mm-hmm. stories i mean I'll, I'll i'll i have a lot of leeway that i'll grant you know star wars you know you, you got laser swords whatever you know i just but what was i'm 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 watching the show and my mind's going to this okay we've got a traveling theater okay mm-hmm. but i'm i'm starting to wonder about the mechanics of it like how are they paid these aren't hunters these aren't farmers these are people just walking around and they're able to carry or trade enough for their tra- to to support them i'm like i'm like really well i, I, I was uh, uh the, you have to keep bear in mind where they are they're in the michigan area and the population is greatly reduced so they're able to uh hunt a lot which we do see uh in episodes um and uh because the the wildlife population is booming now right mm-hmm. and yeah certain populations will boom but like rats will starve but yeah because rats live off of human garbage and there's a lot less humans to make garbage but yeah and yeah there is sca- they they scavenge as well uh so they're oh, i'm sure so I mean, it, it, I understand where you're coming from, but it, it seems like again they, um, you know, there's the the they tour what's called the wheel, and the wheel essentially yes. just goes around Lake Michigan, right, Joe? Right, right, exactly. They they tour the same towns every every year. Well, no, Chica- I, I I said Michigan. I meant Chicago. It's it, it it it's set initially in Chicago. In Chicago, so. yeah, but they do right. go around. Yeah, Lake Michigan. It's the hub. Yeah. So they, I, they I did see the end of one episode Michelle was watching when I got home from work because I, I, I still work. Michelle Michelle had good watch since Joe, but that was six. That was the end of six. And then I saw an ambush and I just see it was pretty brutal. And I'm like, okay, there's some action yeah. there. And then I start wondering about the motivation. I'm like, why are you killing people? I mean, you, you know, for to commit murder you need a motive. And I'm like, where's the motive? I think there's a lot of territorial things going on in this as well. So you can scare people away without killing them and still hold on to territory. I, I, I'm just well, they're meth heads, hon. They're they're like they're like meth head, uh, crazy people in the woods. I, yeah. I, I was just I was just like it, it's okay. I, I don't think this is the show for me. Not a problem. So, uh, but, uh, but no, I, I, I think, you know, as a 10 part miniseries, it, it really, it is solid. I think it stands, um, very well. It's based on a novel, of course. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 2014, novel. I believe she wrote. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I found it very enjoyable. I like the characters were uh, very enjoyable. Um, there, there is a lot of. There's a lot of sinister things that go on in this, but ultimately there are odd motivations too that I find compelling as well. You have to, you have to, you have to appreciate too the the Shakespearean aspect of the series. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not. It's not an accident that they're using primarily King Lear and Hamlet because this is also a story. You know, it's it's not about a pandemic. It's about jealousy. Mm-hmm. It's about renewal. It's about death, and it's about life. It's about renewal. It's about human characters needing to create more than just survive. Yeah. It's it's also in a way about you know feudalism and control. You got you know you, you yeah. several different factions that are trying right. to control the airport. They're going forward or going back or you know staying in the now. It's, right. Yeah. yeah. Clark, Clark in the airport and and the, the juxtaposition of the characters. You just mentioned the 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 pre the pre pans and the the post pans. Yeah. Pre pandemics. The ones that lived through the pandemic and survived. Uh, like Kristen, uh, mm-hmm. look, we're trying to sort of uh, move forward, but couldn't break from the past. What was yeah. pre-pandemic? Uh, the ones that were born after didn't care. All they they wanted to do was move, you know, build build civilization. They didn't care about the past. And and a lot of it too. Uh, what I found interesting is there's positives and negatives from these different characters about where they are. They are in a new world and they can't be who they once were anymore. So they have to right. reinvent themselves and the motivations for those things are, are wildly different. And, you know, uh, and, and I'll just say, uh, Jeevan's path is really the one to watch in this because, um, it, it's, it it takes a very unexpected uh, turn for him, and and it, and I'm just gonna I'll just say, it, and it's just absolutely beautiful, and um because you know think about just I just want to say think about this who are gonna be some of the first people who die of a super flu that kills you within a day of catching it service workers service workers and hospital workers. Doctors, oh, yeah. nurses, mm-hmm. whatnot. I'll just leave that. They as a would teaser. at least have the ability to protect themselves. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. But as aggressive as this was, it still, you know, I hear you. was, uh, you know, pretty rough. And again, it, you know, in the pandemic that we're in, we were very ill prepared for a broad pandemic. But think of it if it was like a very fast, like it killed you the same day you got it. Right. Um, the, I mean, right. and it was one hundred percent fatal. One hundred percent fatal. Yeah, no so, one survived it. If you got it, you died. Yeah. So, um, so, so you know, the, if you think about that, you know, there are there is a shortage of everybody who's needed. So that's I'll just leave it at that. Right. Um, right. and some people's motivations to reinvent themselves are not so good. You know, and and it, and, and, and another thing, just if, if I can say about Jeevan. He was the only character who had no life goal. Yeah. <clears throat> and he everyone was struggling, else, struggling with mental illness, else, too. His, his brother, Clark, mm-hmm. the actor, uh, you know, they, you know, uh, the writer of uh, Station yeah. Eleven, the, the book, um, all had motivation, all had career plans, all had direction in their life. Yeah. And Jeevan was the only one in that in this whole series that had nothing. 
he was he lost. hadn't figured out what he wanted to do yet. No, so. yeah, it, no. In um, a series like uh, Game of Thrones, I mean, I I look for a character to bind to and follow their story and enjoy. Like Arya Stark was my favorite, you know, and then yeah. I had others that I enjoyed as well. But Arya, man, when that story was on, I was riveted. There's no character in this story that has captured me at all. Has given me right. anything to be interested in. I'm just so. No, that's fine. And um, all right, so Michelle, anything else you want to add about this before we go to the first uh, birthday break? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm, I will, I will slog through the end. It's just, as I said, it's still too heavy for me, especially in this day and age right now when I'm feeling so mm -hmm. manic at points. But I do enjoy good writing, and it yeah. is, it has a story that at least. You know, I that, that that's keeping me occupied. It's just not yeah. my idea of a, a fun time at the, at the moment. Not a problem. Not a problem. So anyway, well, I'll tell you what. When we come back, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, tell everybody about a series that I've just been getting into the first three episodes. But Michelle, a birthday trailer, uh, one through three. Uh, who do we have uh, tonight? Ah, uh, yes, we have uh, David Bowie, of course, because I have to. Um, we uh, January eighth. Uh, 1947 in London. Um, Labyrinth from 1986, of course. One of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Then, number two, he's an oldie but a goodie, Rod Taylor. Born January 11th, 1930 in uh, Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. And he's in everybody's favorite uh, avian movie, The Birds. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, we have Kirstie Alley. Born January twelfth, nineteen fifty one, in Wichita, Kansas, and I chose the one that she was in with Chris, uh, with, um, uh, Christopher, Christopher Reeve, and Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, and Mark Hamill, Village of the Damned, nineteen ninety five. All right, the imagination of Jim Henson. Who are you? I brought you a gift. What is it? It's a crystal. Your dreams. That is further than you think. The wizardry of George Lucas. See? There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> you should have given up by now. She must be stopped. The excitement of David Bowie. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. You've run so long, you've run so far. Three extraordinary talents take you to a world of fantasy and adventure. The world of labyrinth. How do you do? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I would like to tell you about our good friends, the birds. That's the damnest thing I ever saw. Birds just don't go around attacking people without no reason. Yes, they attack the children, attack them. What's the matter with all the birds? Birds are not aggressive creatures, miss. They bring beauty into the world. Those gulls attack. Impossible. They came in right down the chimney. Why are they doing this? 
It's the end of the world. Are the birds going to eat us, Mommy? Get yourselves guns and wipe them off the face of the earth. That would hardly be possible. Mitch, don't! The five continents of the world contain more than a hundred billion birds. All at once, the birds were everywhere. Why don't you all go home? Lock your doors and windows. Did you get the windows in the attic? When do you think they'll come? What happens when you run out of wood? I don't know. You don't know? When will you know? When we're all dead! Precisely 10 a.m. in a quiet seaside village. Something happened. Something unexplainable. Something unbelievable. There's a lot of pregnancies, much more than would normally be expected. All the pregnancies seem to date from the day of the blackout. This town is about to discover that looks can kill. There have been a few casualties. I should say accidents that might be related to contact with the children. My daughter was involved. Who are they? They have one mind that they share between them. Father? Let us pray. You've been discussing us with Dr. Vern. What did she tell you? You're hiding something. The police can't do anything to stop the children. Get out while you can. Something so much more powerful than we'll ever be. What are you gonna do? The only thing that we can do. You can't stop us, you know. Macarena. <laughs> Sorry, that was from me. <laughs> uh, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland. Uh, Michelle, do you know what episode we're on by chance? I've lost track. I know it's I like... 33? 33, something like that. That sounds about right. Uh, I gotta go uh, uh, do a better job on our playlist. Um, but uh, yeah, so welcome back to the show. Uh, Joe, Miles, Michelle, hello. Hello. Yo. All right, so I'm going to try and do lightning round in this segment to, to talk about two different shows because I think if you like potty mouth uh, TV shows, these are probably the ultimate two for you that are available right now. And one is uh, from Comedy Central and one is from... Um, one is from... Uh, oh, what the heck is it called? Um, uh, HBO Max. So a lot of stuff from HBO, a lot of stuff from Disney Plus from me tonight. 
But uh, the first one I want to talk about is the latest DC Comics uh, program called Peacemaker, which is written and directed by James Gunn, who directed the last Suicide Squad movie. And, of course, you know him from the Guardians of the Galaxy as well. And older kind of cult classic projects like The Specials, which was a superhero spoof movie he did. Well, this one, he's really getting back into his raunchy roots with it, with Peacemaker. And it is a direct follow-up to the last Suicide Squad movie uh, with uh, Idris Elba and, of course, John Cena as Peacemaker. And, um, uh, of course, Harley Quinn played by, why can't I remember her name? Um, Margot Robbie. um, uh, Thank you, Margot Robbie. So... And, uh, you know, great movie, uh, and but this is absolutely hysterical. I'm not going to give away a lot. I'm just going to kind of tell you a, a few minor plot points. But the show opens um, with um, uh, uh, the character of Chris. I don't remember his last name. Um, but Chris is Peacemaker. And the nurse or, or the doctor says, uh, you're... you're Okay, you're free to go, and he's like, "What? Well, I'm I'm free to go because he was like supposed to go back to jail if he survived the what happened in the Suicide Squad movie, and um and you know he did a lot of very questionable stuff in the Suicide Squad movie, um you know it, he's peacemaker and he's like I'll kill every man, woman, and child I have to to achieve peace was his motto, <laughs> so um and. And there, and this show is also about the growth of his character, but he's really kind of an unlikable douchebag. It's like, he describes the character as Captain America if he was a complete douchebag, and kind of a broke douchebag as well because he lives in a trailer and stuff like that. But uh, he does have a great sidekick named Eagly, but uh, I don't have a lot about Eagly, but I do have one clip uh, regarding Eagly, uh, which is just Eagle with a Y at the end. And somebody asked him, do you have a dog named Doggy? (laughs) But this is him getting released from the hospital, and he's talking to his buddy, the janitor, that he smoked pot with at one point. You've healed well, but you're still going to have to take it easy. Try to avoid lifting your right elbow above your shoulder. Sure. So, as long as you agree to keep up with the physical therapy, I'm discharging you. So I can leave? Go home. Enjoy life. Jamil. I don't have any weed on me, man. That was a one time thing. (laughs) Doctor said I was free to go. Congratulations. Jamil, you cool? What does that mean? Dude, can I trust you? No. No? I, I don't know you, man. Dude, I really need somebody I can Don't trust, trust me, man. We smoke weed together, man. I was in a fucking wheelchair. I can't pretend like that wasn't a nice moment, but that doesn't make me trustworthy. I ain't trustworthy worth <laughs> shit. What? Well, why do you think I'm mopping floors, bro? I went to MIT. I don't like the responsibility. You went to MIT? Oh, yeah. What the fuck are you doing That's here? That's my fucking point, man. Why aren't you listening to me? Fine. <laughs> fuck it. Don't be trustworthy. Just let me ask you a question and don't tell anybody about it, okay? I would never betray a secret. And it's the opposite of everything you've been saying. Truth is, I'm supposed to be in prison. For what? Superhero shit. <laughs> You're a superhero? Yeah. You're kind of bulky to be a superhero, Fuck aren't you? you? Well, bulky. Most superheroes have a gymnast body. They're ready to go. I'm ready to go. What superhero are you? Peacemaker. <laughs> Get out of here, motherfucker. You a fan? There's no superhero called Peacemaker. Dude, I'm fucking famous. Not that famous. Aquaman, he's famous. Fuck Aquaman. No, man. 
Don't say that. Why say that? He bangs chicks? Good for him. He fucks dudes? Got no problem with that. He starts fucking fish? That's taking it a step too far. Aquaman fucks fish? <laughs> I don't believe it. Oh my. Guy on Twitter works for the aquarium. Said for 50 bucks he brings him in the back so he can have his way with a sturgeon. I refuse to believe that. And I refuse to believe that at Pepe the Frog 89 is lying to me for no reason. <laughs> Fine. If you're a superhero, what were you in prison for? Integrity. I made a vow to have peace. No matter how many people I have to kill to get it. Oh, peacemaker! Yes. You're that racist superhero! Oh. You only kill minorities, man! <laughs> I killed a fair amount of white people, too. The ratio is suspect, is all I have to say. If somebody's committing a crime, yes. am I supposed to control what their ethnicity is? No, but you need to watch white people as closely as you watch people of color, so you see more of them committing crimes. Fine, that's a, that's a good point. I will trust white people less in the future and kill a higher percentage of them. Are you satisfied? Yes. Thank you. Now, what do you need? Doctor said I was free to go, so technically I should go back to prison. What I need to know is, on the DL, is there anybody out there looking for me? Not that I heard of, man. No cops outside, nothing? I ain't seen no cops. I'm thinking I can just go? Why not? Yeah, so uh, so he leaves the hospital. It's not as cut and dry as him just leaving the hospital and living a normal life and fighting crime, what have you. Uh, there are some strings attached to him leaving which I won't get into too much, um, but he ends up uh, as part of an operation that is not quite as um, spectacular as the uh, Task Force X he, he was used to, and there is um, a new operation he's involved in uh, called Operation Butterfly, but you'll have to watch the series if you want to know more about that. I just picked some of the funnier moments from the, the dialogue. I'm not going to give too much context, to, but you know I'll tell you kind of what's going on. Uh, but the next one made me laugh so hard because his, this his, his sidekick is Eagly, like an eagle that apparently has super high intelligence and loves him like a son loves a father. <laughs> he actually like hugged him with his wings <laughs> in the beginning. Um, it, we haven't seen a ton of Eagly yet. But at one point, uh, he's in a bad situation, and the team that he's working with are trying to extract him from where he is. And he's and he's worried about Eagly. Oh, and what's really funny, too, is when he was in prison, he was in, like, in prison for like 10 years, and his phone bill hadn't been paid or something like that. Or, or no, his phone wasn't turned off, so he... <laughs> So I don't I don't know. So he's like thousands of dollars for his phone bill. But it's funny because if you listen to his ringtone, his ringtone is very antiquated, and that's what starts off this clip where they're trying to extract him, but he's concerned about eagerly. What? What the fuck are you still doing in there? I told you, I'm getting important shit. Well, there are too many cops outside the front. I just want to tell you, he's getting important shit. He grabbed a bed sheet and he's stealing a record collection that's like hair metal from the 80s. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, I swear to God, James Gunn broke into my house and raided my music collection for the soundtrack for this because there's so much hair metal in it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's got a Pretty Boy Floyd record. <laughs> So I think I'm going to, I might text James Gunn with like a picture of a bunch of CDs that I'm going to recommend he use for the soundtrack for season two. But anyway, so, so yeah, so I, let, let me just start that again. Here we go. What? What the fuck are you still doing in there? I told you, I'm getting important shit. 
Well, there are too many cops outside the front door, so you're gonna need to find another way out. You see Eagly out there at all? Your eagle? Yeah, could you, uh, could you look for him? Is he out there? No, man, I'm not gonna fucking look for your eagle. Harcourt, do me a solid. Just roll down the window, stick your hand outside, and then crinkle a bag. He'll think you have chips. He'll come right out to you. Why are you feeding him chips? Yeah. <laughs> he feeds his pet eagle chips. <laughs> Just crinkle a bag. He'll think you have chips. <laughs> so, anyway. That sounds a, like a foolproof plan. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's it's so funny and it's so raunchy and it just gets worse. Um, but uh, you know, there's just so much. And but the thing is, it's not. I don't think it's mean spirited humor. There is, however, I will say this: his father in the movie is played by. Oh shoot, what's the actor's name who played the, um, the the liquid Terminator guy? Uh, the Oh, I know. Um, Patrick Roberts. Patrick Roberts. Yeah, yeah, something okay, like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Robert Patrick. You were close. You had it backwards. Yeah, Robert Patrick plays his father, and his father is awful. Let me oh, just say. I bet. Oh, I can just imagine. Oh, it is. It is awful. He's a right winger, but then you, when you find out more about him, you're like, oh my god. So, um, but. He's the guy who actually has all of the Peacemaker equipment in what appears to be some kind of Tesseract room in his house, which is strange. But, uh, so there, that's a little bit of an early spoiler, so don't worry. But, um, so so later on, he's having another conversation with the team about uh, homunculi. And um, and they do another crazy name drop. They drop Dollman's name, which is a DC character, an old quality comics character. Uh, that they bought the rights to. And by the way, Peacemaker was a Charlton Comics character that DC acquired the rights to, along with Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, and all the other characters that they based the Watchmen okay. characters off of. Peacemaker is actually who the comedian was based on from Watchmen. So there's a little background for you. But here he is talking about homunculi, and of course homunculi are tiny little people. I'm going to be honest about something here. Homunculi freak me the fuck out. Homunculi? Yeah. It's plural for homunculus. It's a tiny miniature person. Yeah. I don't like what they're up to. I don't like what they fucking do. Hey, Dollman, you ever meet him? Dollman? He turns small. He calls himself Dollman? Yeah. Barrett M82? Yep. Nice. You ever seen a one millimeter finger? Gives me the heebie-jeebies. Nobody told me how to deal with fucking homunculi. Well, who's saying you got to deal with them now? You kidding me? I found a miniature spaceship in the apartment of the chick I had sex with. You guys know? One who was really into having sex with me, she came like four times. We know who she is. We don't need to know how much she enjoyed having sex with you. <laughs> it's not. Fair. I was just trying to slip in the conversation. Hope nobody noticed. It's my bad. Still, fucking hate a monkey. Where's this tiny spaceship now? Out of Bio's desk, under my lunch. <laughs> under my lunch. <laughs> so that was Leota um, Abadayo, uh, or uh, no, Adebayo, uh, who he was having the com main conversation with. Um, played by Danielle Brooks. Um, and at uh, one point, uh, so after this, uh, they're, they're on a mission, and it's not really super important. I don't, I'm not going to spoil the mission. I just want to have what happened when um, Leota uh, Adebayo, she is, she's married to a woman in the series. And 
Um, she is so dedicated to this mission that she's on that, and, and it's a little dangerous. So she asked her wife to take their dogs and go to a different hotel. And so they are kind of having a long distance relationship. And, um, and again, Leota basically is showing pictures for the mission that they're on. And she's using WhatsApp on her, uh, tablet and um, she's scrolling through pictures and, and um, something comes up. Our target is Senator Roiland Goff, who's mostly known for being a radical proponent of climate change. Okay, so we're gonna kill him because climate change is a hoax. Why do all people that think pro wrestling is real think climate change is a hoax? It's not a hoax. <laughs> yeah, okay. Facebook's lying to me every day for no reason. Senator Goff <laughs> is a butterfly. We need to take him out. Thanks, photo. so she she accidentally showed a picture of her wife's vagina to everybody on the in the van uh <laughs> she was scrolling through mission pictures there's a lot As of ma- there's a lot of male and female nudity in this show by the way um, so, uh, <laughs> not a kid's DC movie, DC show. So, okay. <clears throat> so yeah, so that's, uh, so that's kind of what you can expect from this. And there's some pretty crazy action and it's kind of a fun storyline, you know, a la alien invasion stuff. That's all I'll say. Uh, you already heard him say tiny spaceship. We're only three episodes in. So, you know, overall, I'm not really spoiling much. And there is a, there is a sinister subplot going on. Um, that, uh, I've not even mentioned, but I, I, I would say if you, if, if you're not offended by anything you just heard, um, you might want to check it out. It's, it's pretty enjoyable. Um, and I figured, well, what the hell we're going full raunch on the show. I thought I'd get a few quick clips from, uh, Su- Susan and I share a, a favorite comedy show and that is, um, uh, Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Many of you might have seen uh, Aquafina in uh, Crazy Rich Asians or Shang Chi. She was Shang Chi's best friend, whose name had Katie was her name. Katie in the movie, I think. Um, but uh, it's a great ensemble cast. the The actress who plays her grandmother is absolutely adorable and funny, and just a completely uh, just foul mouthed grandma. <laughs> And uh, her grandmother, we'll hear a lot from her. Lori Tan Chin is uh, uh, who plays uh, Nora's grandma. And we'll hear a little bit from Bowen Yang, who plays Edmund, her her cousin. But really great cast. Hilarious. Every episode will keep you in stitches. And it's just inappropriate from beginning to end. And this is a Comedy Central show. But uh, for a while, uh, Nora has many jobs in the series, and she's not very good at any of them. One of them from, I believe, one of the earliest episodes, she's an Uber driver, and her car is the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's like this little compact car 
that's painted like purple with yellow flames on it or something. It's ridiculous. But um, she she picks up a, a ride and, and is uh, taking her to uh, her destination, and this is how that goes. She got there, a bassoon? Um, it's a ukulele. Ah, uh, yes. An ukulele. Beautiful instrument. One of my favorite musicians, actually, is uh, Israel Kamiko Wow. He's dead, but his music lives on. Beautiful body. Sorry, can you watch the road? Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. I, I too, used to dabble in music back in high school, but they should have called it bi-school because I was bi as fuck back then. Bisexual. Um, vagina and penis. Sorry, do you mind going a little faster? It's just I'm going to oh. be late for this gig. Oh, cool. Real gig, huh? Real gig. Well, well it's an open mic, but that's how a lot of people get discovered. Mm. I remember that's how they found Israel Kamika Wee Wow. Matter of fact, let me see if I still got a CD. She's driving and looking in the glove over. compartment. You're scaring me and I'd like to get out. You, you want to get out? Why? Yeah, pull over now or I'm calling the cops. Right, pulling over now. Ah, ah. You should know you're a bad driver. Shouldn't we uplift each other? One star. Have a good one. Oh, oh holy shit. Yeah, she, 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 the, the, the passenger got out, got hit by a bicycle. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I just love it though, because she's like not, she's not gonna be mean to her at all, you know, or say anything nasty to her. She's like, shouldn't we uplift one another? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and of course, what what you didn't see visually is she was like uh, when she pulled over and she was looking for the Israel. Uh, I can't say his last name. Uh, looking for the CD. She ends up holding up a giant vibrator. Why? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's a very risque and, and dirty show, but this is really Welcome, funny. Ladies. Yeah, there you go. So um, uh, I think it's a great. This could be a great double feature: a Peacemaker episode and an Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Um, but she's she's really kind of irresponsible, and obviously you heard how good of a driver she was. But she's not really good at adult things, so she got a check for a job that she did, and she goes into the bank to cash it. And this is a two-parter. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll try and blow through these real quick. I would love to cash this here check. Sure. Okay, thank you. Name on the account, please. Yes, it's Nora. N O R A, no H. <laughs> Lynn, L I N. Nora Lynn, Forley Road, Elmhurst. That is correct. Yes. It says here you're dead. Sorry, what? The bank automatically <laughs> closes accounts that have been inactive for two years. We assume you die. No, 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 no. I am, I am alive. Here's what I can do. <laughs> if you want to reopen your account, I just need a form of identification. Yes, actually, I can accommodate with that. Okay. Yes. Thank you. This is expired. Where does it say that? No, no. Because this license is expired, I'm legally oh, obligated oh, to do oh, this. Oh! Okay, she used a hole puncher and she punched a hole right through the photograph, but it was like right over her mouth. So, but that pays off in a second here. Oh! Do you have another form of identification? Do you know your social security number? Yes, yes, I know it. Um, it's one eight. Hundred five seven nine six eight five nine. Okay, that's too many numbers. <laughs> Why don't you need a bank account? 
Well, for starters, to build up your credit, apply for a loan, buy a house and get a mortgage, not to mention set up a basic investment portfolio and formulate a retirement plan. But without proper identification, I can't verify that a Nora Lynn actually exists. Sorry. What if you asked me something that only the real Nora Lynn would know? I literally know nothing about you. So I can't cash this check? Nope. I look like a fucking blow-up doll! Ah! <laughs> Thank you You're for being welcome. so fucking lovely. Have a nice day. Yeah! What are you looking at? <laughs> I love her voice and her delivery and everything. She's such a genius. She's so funny. Uh, yes. Um... And uh, well, well, she decides to take her grandmother to the bank with her. This is our first introduction, at least in these audio clips, uh, to to Grandma, played by Lori Tan Chin, who is so funny, so funny. But yeah, so here's the follow up. She takes Nora back to the bank. Hello. Hi. Remember me? Um, I would like to reopen my bank account, please. As you will find here, I have my. Birth certificate, yes, I was born. Great. Social security card, right? There yeah. you go, all right. Me, in elementary school, as a baby, I went to school when I was a baby. Huh? Yeah. Actually, we're good with the IDs. And uh, this check here that I would love to cash after I reopen my account. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm a very important customer here. Don't mess with me. I know people. I'll, I'll get that taken care of right away, Mrs. Lynn. Yeah. Well, Grandma. You're intense. Uh, Miss Lynn, your account has been reactivated and the check has been deposited. Cool. And because you're technically opening a new account, I can offer you a $25 signing bonus. I would love that. Thank you. Uh, would you like it deposited into the account? In cash, please. Because I'd like to use it to take my grandma to dinner. Oh, Nora, you don't have to. I want to. Here you go. I want crispy bills for my granddaughter. None of that wrinkly shit that you pull out of your asshole. <laughs> pleasure doing business with you. You too, Mrs. Lynn. Always a pleasure. Bye. <laughs> None of that wrinkly wow. shit you pull out of your asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, the, you'll be on the edge of your seat waiting for Grandma to come on. It, 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 you show up in any episode. Now, I have three more clips, but I'm not going to be able to play them all. I'll just play the shortest one, and then we'll go to the break, and we'll start uh, mixing it up, get to some of Joe's reviews and some other things that uh, some more all of us have watched here and there, um, and uh, some upcoming stuff as well, which I'm excited about. But, yeah, so at one point, uh, Nora's dad is down in the dumps and getting kind of edgy with everybody so she's talking to her grandmother about what you know what's wrong with him what the heck is wrong with him well this is what she says what's his issue dude it's obvious he needs to bury the snake in the bush yeah exactly he needs to take his baggage and he needs to just bury it in his past oh no no i meant throw a log in the fire park the bus in tuna town play mattress macarena okay get it I have to go, Grim. I'm gonna go. Hey, Macarena. There you go. <laughs> oh, park the bus in Tunitown. <laughs> it's so crass. 
Um, but yeah, so, and it, it, it's crass on every level in, in this. Uh, it is so funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, and it, it, th these are the kinds of laughs I think we need now. We need to stop worrying about, you know, uh, just everything. Just watch something like, you know, uh, Peacemaker. I know there, there are people out there who do have issues with James Gunn, but, uh, I feel like he's kind of redeemed himself. Um, and, uh, you know, if we're all judged on the dumbest thing we ever said on Twitter, then, you know, whatever. So, but, uh, anyway, yeah, so, uh, I don't know. You guys think you might check out either one of these shows? Sure, I'm definitely yeah. going to check out Peacemaker. Yeah, Peacemaker, <laughs> yeah, Peacemaker sounds, sounds good. good. Yeah, and, uh, well, but yeah, Nora from Queens, great. I mean, and what's a great, the great thing about Nora from Queens is it's giving a lot of, uh, Asian care, Asian actors, uh, a lot of face time. And in times like now, where Asian Americans are being persecuted for just simply because they're of Asian descent, this I think it's a really important show. So, uh, but yeah, I would absolutely check them out. Comedy Central, if you have if you have cable, uh, it's free. It might even be on HBO. I don't, it might be part of HBO. I'm not sure. But anyway, check it out. Peacemaker, Nora from Queens, great stuff. And we'll be right back with lots more right after uh, this. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last. The real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. Foolish unto you. Something evil. He needs to bury the snake in the bush, throw a log in the fire, park a bus in Tuna Town, play Mattress Macarena. Not recommended for impressionable children. Hey, Macarena. There we go. Revisiting Grandma a little bit. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the program uh, for uh, January 14th, 2022, episode 33-ish. Uh, and, of course, uh, welcome back, Michelle. Hello, hello, and as Manny would say, turn it up so you can hear the screams. That's right, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, yeah. Turn it up so you can hear the screaming. There you go. And, of course, uh, Miles, welcome back to you as well, sir. Yes, thank you. And I, I feel I've accomplished a lot this week by managing to not be charged with sedition. Oh, that's good. That's okay, good. all right. So, yeah, I think so, too. Low uh, bars. Easy, easy yeah. low-hanging fruit. Sure, sure. And last but not least, Mr. Joe Santorza. And you've got quite a few recommendations, so I think we should we should uh, get to a couple of those. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mix it up. You've got uh, a fair amount of Netflix stuff. I went ahead and mm -hmm. watched all these uh, when uh, you sent them uh, my way, so I'm excited to discuss. Okay. Uh, the first one uh, I watched is, um, well, it's not the first one I watched, but first one I gave you was uh, Hannah. And um, I, I've actually seen the first season of this, and what's also interesting is... Um, the actor who plays her father is the the same actor who played Rick Flag, who had mm -hmm. the big interaction with Peacemaker in uh, the the uh, that last uh, Suicide Squad movie. 
And right. I and I also think that uh, that's one that Miles has had an interest in watching too. So Anna, it's on our list. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Well, you could play the trailer, and I'll give you a quick rundown of the uh, the show. All right. Let's talk about your father. Do you know why he kept you in the forest? Did he tell you where he was going? We are all worried about him. You're safe now. She's faking. Richards, get out of there. You train me like a machine. Why? Have to find her before she finds us. Shoot on sight. If anyone asks, that girl does not exist. I'm not safe. People are trying to hurt me. I want you to trust me. I want to give you a normal life. But I'm not normal, am I? Secret destroyer. Take her out. Hold you up to the flames. Where did you grow up? Why? Do you think I'm weird? I think you're wonderful. Where's Hannah? Do you know how dangerous she is? I don't want to lose you. Listen to me. I have no idea who you're dealing with. No more secrets. Why do they want me? She smells of fear. Like a fox that knows it's dying. All right, Joe. Good pick. Okay, rat in a cage. Well, Hannah, uh, played by Esteemy Creed Miles, is a 15-year-old girl living with Eric played by Joel Kinnaman, as you said, Rick yes. Flagg and Suicide Squad. The only man she's ever known is her father in a remote remote, uh, remote, yeah, remote part of the forest in Poland. Uh, Eric was once a recruiter of pregnant women for a rogue CIA program called Utrax, where children's DNA were enhanced in order to co- create uh, super soldiers. And when Eric falls in love with Johanna, Hannah's mother, he rescues Hannah and gets out of the facility. Uh, the CIA orders Marissa, played by Muriel Enos, uh, played Karen Lane in World War Z. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I think she was in Big Love as well. Yes. And uh, she's uh, told by her superiors to shut down the project and eliminate the babies. This also stars Noah Taylor, Dermont Roney, and Ray Liotta. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot yes. Liotta was in this. Ray Liotta was in this. He plays Marissa's uh, father. And, uh, well, after you watch it, it has a, a bit of a King Lear vibe to it. I won't say any more. 
Nice. Don't have daughters. Don't have daughters. It's a great. So that's action. Hannah. Yeah, it's a great action series, and I have I have seen uh, season one, so I need to get caught up. But it's a Netflix series, right? Or is that Amazon Prime? It's Prime Video, and oh, okay. it's uh, three seasons. And uh, seasons two and three watch the development of the character and uh, all the characters and how they all change going forward. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to pick Ray, that back Ray, up. Ray Liotta is really prominent. Season three. Okay. Good. Yeah, uh, you would mm-hmm. think these super spy agencies would stop doing genetic researches on researching on kids, you know, because they always end up having to scrap the program or try to, <laughs> and it comes back and bites them in the ass. It sure <laughs> does. I, won't, I don't want to. I don't want to give spoilers, but all I can say is two things: King Lear. <laughs> yeah, I got that right? one. Don't have daughters, and if you're gonna do genetic experiments and make super soldiers. Don't make them out of teenage girls. Yes. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Solid okay. advice. Solid advice. Okay, the second one is, um, tell me when to stop. <laughs> but oh, the second yeah, clip go ahead. is a, uh, another one I saw. This uh, stars um, uh, someone you will recognize. Play clip two. All right. Another life. Interrupt this broadcast for an emergency alert. The Department of Defense is confirming reports of an unknown object entering Earth's atmosphere. An alien artifact landed on Earth. We need to know why. And they want me to lead the mission. The trip is six months. If all goes as planned. I am coming back. I promise you. This is the most important mission in the history of humankind. It's time. Here we go. We are on our way to a planet full of aliens. I found something. How many of these things do you think are out there? Our first contact with an alien civilization is a risk. People will die. We are all here for the same reason, to protect the lives of the people back on Earth. Wait, what's that? I am gonna get home. What's happened here is going to happen on Earth. Oh God, no. I have to save the crew, save Earth. What if by doing this, we launch into an interstellar war? We don't have a choice. Stunning. I've never seen or heard of this before. And that alien artifact, wow, what an artifact that was. It's a, yes, yes. Um... So the synopsis goes like this. It's uh, an unidentified object shaped like a, a Mobius strip. You know what a Mobius strip is more like a infinity? Yeah, and if, yeah it's like, it looks like an object. Yeah. Right. Lands on Earth and grows a crystalline tower above it. And Eric Wallace, who is played by Justin Chadwick, who played Robbie Ferrer in the 2005 version of War of the Worlds. Okay. Uh a scientist is employed by the United States Stellar Command 
and he attempts to communicate with the alien structure. In the meantime, his wife, uh, veteran Captain Nico Breckenridge, played by none other than uh, oops, I'm sorry, none other than um, Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff, uh, who was Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica and Bo-Katan Riz in The Mandalorian. Yep. Takes the uh, spaceship, I put a picture of it, the Silvare, which means to save in land, and its young crew to determine the origin of the artifact, establish contact, and figure out what these aliens want and who sent it and what, what is it they want. Um, mm-hmm. The Silvari could go faster than light, uh, but most of its crew is in hibernation uh, until they're awakened or need it. Uh, there's yeah. also an AI aboard uh, starring, uh, and he's played by Samuel Anderson, who you might recognize in the pictures there as Danny Pink in Doctor Who series. Ah. If you remember okay. that character, Danny, he was, uh, what's her name's boyfriend? He was a teacher at the school uh, in Doctor Who. And Elizabeth Ludlow, who played a rat in the AMC post apocalyptic horror television series Walking Dead. Wow. And also she played Isak Mother in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. There's another big actor in here too, uh, Tyler Hecklin who plays Superman uh-huh. in Superman and Lois right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are two seasons to this. Uh, season 2 to me is by far the better season. Mm-hmm. Uh it has a lot of twists and turns, and um, I, th- I think you'll enjoy it. I, it looks terrific, and uh, it makes me want to sign back up for Netflix, so I might just do that. Well, if we have time, or do we have time? Time we for... We can go to clip, clip three. Yeah, we might as well. I mean, because all of yours uh, kind of, especially the last three, thematically fit pretty well together. Okay. Uh, clip three. Uh, this is a little series that only had one season called Away. Yeah, looks it, it looks intense, too, by the way. I, I was, like, tearing up in the trailer. I got you a present. That's the Earth, the Moon, Mars. And the string is me making my way back to you. So just remember, the further away I get, I'm actually getting closer to being back to you. The only thing I've ever known for sure in my life is that I wanted to be on the first mission to Mars. It's only three years. Okay, I guess I won't miss you. I'll be right (laughs) back. I'm just 20 million miles from the people she loves. She needs to know that her family's taken care of. I got a cover. Do you? They need me more than anyone, and I'm not there. You think you're the only one haunted by the sacrifices you made to get here? This my mother. I can only imagine what you're going through up there. Situation. What happened? She froze. 
I didn't come here to fail. I look that way. You're looking in the wrong direction. You have to trust me. Trust, it must be earned, Commander. We're all scared, but it's about having faith in each other. Whatever comes next, we can take it on together. haven't done anything nearly as dangerous as what we're about to do. Mom, I love you. Why did you have to do this? We will return home. You're my reason. My reason to hold on tight. My lip is wobbling just listening to it again. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a, a really good, really good. I, I don't know why. Well, they only did one season. Um, basically, uh, it's a joint Mars initiative. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an international crew, a Chinese chemist, a world-leading uh, British botanist, uh, a Russian cosmonaut who had the most experience in space, and an Indian medical officer who's second in command. And the commander is... Emmy, Emma Green, who is played by Hilary Swank, who you all know. Uh, as, Emma's husband was trained as an astronaut along with her, but he has a medical condition, which ironically, while she's already on the mission, he has a an attack, sort of like a stroke, and um, there's nothing she can do. Uh, yeah. Also, there's an explosion on the ship that she has to handle, uh, she sort of botches it a bit. She sort of freezes at first, and the crew gets uh, loses a little uh, confidence in her. But uh, eventually, they pull it all together, and uh, basically, they describe this series as it's about hope, humanity, and how ultimately we need one another if we're able to achieve impossible things. And basically, this crew does come together, even with conflicts. And they start to respect each other, and that's how they actually pull through and actually get get to the to survive the mission. It looks um, fantastic. I, I thought it was just a movie. I, I didn't realize it was an actual series when I watched it. So well, it was only one season, but it's yeah. a series. Yeah, and um, it has Josh Charles as Emma's husband, and uh, Michelle might recognize Talitha Bateman, who was Janice in Annabelle Creation. Okay. The horror film. Yeah. Uh, yeah one of my favorite good. movies. I love the okay. NFL series. <laughs> well, she she was in that. I guess she was one of the daughters in that. So um, she's in that. So she's, she plays the daughter. And the last one I have, if we have time. Absolutely. Yeah, we got time. And I got to say, this this movie, I saw it. I was watching the, or this is a movie, right? Not a. This is a movie. Yes. Okay. That there, this has some deep old school sci-fi uh, roots too. It's not directly based on it, but there was an old sci-fi story Miles might know called uh, "Cold Equations." You familiar oh. with that, Miles? Yeah, that's yeah. I forget who wrote it, but there were a few different adaptations of it over the years. One being a. Uh, I think uh, Dimension X or X minus one, one of those old old time radio shows from the fifties, uh, did a version of it that was just like, if, if I can't even listen to it, it's so dark. It is heavy dark. I don't know. 
I only know cold equations because it's in a book. <laughs> the book is literally 12 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, in a sci-fi, uh, science fiction Hall of Fame book that I've read. I've only read it. I've never watched anything close to what cold equate. But yeah, cold equations. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, but Joe, why don't you go ahead and set this mm-hmm. one up and tell us uh, tell us the name of the fourth well, recommendation. This one is a... Uh... Yeah, this is a ethical dilemma. This is a cold equation right here. Yeah. Uh, it's called Stowaway. It's clip four. Here you go. Zoe, I'm a doctor. I want you to focus on slowing down your breathing. Into your nose, out through your mouth. Hi, Michael. I'm Marina Bunnett, the commander of the ship. Do you remember what happened on the pad? I'm a launch support engineer, ma'am. How long was I out? We took off about 12 hours ago. 12 hours? You need to get back to my no. sister, please. My sister, she's alone, please. Right. I gotta get back. We're not going back. What do you mean we're not going back? This is a two-year mission. Two years is a long time to be away, but this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I can learn fast. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We are taking the first steps to being able to call Mars a second home. We're sorry that you missed the filet mignon, but this is the next best thing. We think it's spaghetti. I should warn you now that Zoe thinks she's the in-flight entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) There's no easy way to say this support is damaged permanently. We only have enough oxygen board for three people. Everyone on board will suffocate before we ever make it to Mars. Hey, Ava, I gotta face the fact that I'm not gonna be there with you. This research is years of our lives. Are we sure we want to throw it all away? How much time do we have before it's too late? 20 days. I think we should put ourselves at risk. For their sanity, they need to try this. This is hopeless. That is it. There's no way for all of us to survive. It's imperative that we try. What a cast in this movie, too, I gotta say. anything. I love Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, so and this is, anything yeah. with uh, Tony Collette, I'll watch because, of course, Hereditary. My God. <laughs> well, this is a dilemma because after taking off from Earth, this handpicked, highly trained team of astronauts, uh, Commander Mar- Marina Barnett, who's played by, as you said, Tony Collette, biologist David Kim, played by Daniel Day Kim. And Michael research, uh, medical researcher Zoe Levinson, Anna Kendricks. Mm-hmm. And they're on a two-year scientific mission to the planet Mars. However, at one point, um, this they're is checking where, things out. Yeah, this is where yeah. the twist this is where the twist is, Miles, uh, versus cold equations. So uh, but go ahead. Joe. You know, their mission is to make a, a habitable planet out of humankind and 
and uh, the biologist has spent his whole life developing these plants that could they, they're going to plant in a, a biodome and everything. I mean, it's really intense. And just as they're past the point of no return, because they take off from the moon and they're on their way, they're well on their way, like 12 hours out, um, the captain makes a discovery. Uh, sealed up in a ceiling panel is a hidden, unconscious, and wounded fourth passenger. His name is Michael Adams, played by Shamir Anderson. And um, he falls down. He's injured. Uh, they try to take care of him. They try, try to, uh, you know, get get him to calm down and, and understand that they can't turn around and that he's on, on this, this mission. But suddenly they discover that their uh, environmental control is permanently and irreparably damaged. And there's only enough oxygen on board for three. Yeah. Someone has to die. Or do and they? The... Well, I'll leave that up to <laughs> watch the movie. Well, we know what it, Miles and I know, know, know what happens in Cold Equation. It is a punch in the gut. It is. Well, this is, is this is a punch in the gut, too. So there are a lot of twists, a lot of, oh, this is going to work. Maybe it's not, but you got to watch the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a punch in the gut. Well, this is... I a, have... Yeah, I think ahead. I've seen some adaptations of this in the science fiction world, like either in an Outer Limits type thing or mm-hmm. something like that. So there was I, a movie, I have an idea. There was a movie uh, that came out about uh, 2014, 2016, because I was doing some Googling about this because I was like, oh, wow, this looks like Cold Equations. And, uh, and I looked it up, and there actually was another version of this closer to the book than this one. This one, I don't think they they um, credit Cold Equations in any way as being an inspiration for this. But um, but yeah, uh, great, uh, you know, uh, great pick of four uh, binge-worthy things there, Joe. I, I like it. So, good job. Yeah, and actually, the, the last one, Stowaway, is a movie, so you're only going to give an hour and a half up. Sure. So Hannah, so, but, Hannah, uh, Another Life, Away, and Stowaway. Those are Joe's picks going into 2022 for binging. Michelle, what were you going to say? What's neat about Stowaway, though, it doesn't really sound like it's a, he, he's a purposeful Stowaway. It sounds like he was no. injured and yeah, got he was knocked, stuck knocked, on the ship. Yeah, knocked unconscious and trapped in the ship. Because when he wakes right, up, he, he's like, what the fuck? even more of a moral dilemma then. Yeah. Not only that, he has a sister who depends on him everything. Yeah. And... um He's just beside himself. Oh, and when sure. he realizes they've taken off and he's looking out there and he sees the earth far away. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not good. Oh my God. He hyperventilates. That's, that's when Anna Kendricks, you hear him, her in the t- trailer saying, mm-hmm. okay, sit down. You're going to, you're going to faint. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Yeah. Wow. Powerful stuff. So, and, and great, you know, it looks like, you know, some great quality uh, action and sci-fi there, Joe. Thanks for that. So, um, and again, I was only familiar with one of those items on your list, so that's cool. So anyway, uh, we do have to get going to the break. Uh, Adam has picked up where he, uh, where he left off from uh, uh, last week. Um, I love the title of this one. I won't spoil it. I'll let Adam uh, say it because he has a little bit of a pun at the beginning of this. But this is his Mythical Moment 27B, 
um, more Norse uh, mythology. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and get to that, and we'll be right back with uh, some more stuff that I'm looking forward to and at least one show that Miles, Michelle, and I have watched part of. Uh, I don't know how far you guys in are, but I watched something that you guys watched. Wheel of Time, anyone? Woot! So, uh, I think I'm hooked after two episodes, so... It's but, nice. Uh, it is yeah. really nice. Even if you don't know, read the books, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, boy, it took a dark turn real fast. I was like, oh, it's nice. They're dancing and stuff. I was like, yawn. Oh! <laughs> yeah! Holy shit. Anyway, we'll be right back. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment 27B, The Theft of Mjolnir Part 2, Thor's Wedding and a Funeral. Last time on Mythical Moment, Mjolnir, Thor's beloved hammer-slash-Jotun-killing tool, had been stolen by Thrym. In exchange for the return of Asgard's best defense against the Jotuns, Thrym demanded that Freya marry him. Freya, the goddess of love, beauty, and making whoopee, having a libido that would make Suan Nivens blush, said no, leaving Loki with just one idea, making a blasphemy of the sacred wedding by having Thor pose as Freya and go to marry Thrym to retrieve the hammer. In Asgard, Loki and Freya did their best to make Thor into an attractive bride for Thrym. They clothed Thor in the best dress that they could find and fitted him with a veil. With Thor dressed up as a woman, there came the matter of making sure Thor didn't cock things up before he got the hammer back. Since there was no way Freya was going to go anywhere near the horny Jotun who wanted to marry her, it fell to Loki, who used his shape-shifting powers to turn himself into a woman and pose as Freya's attendant. Thor and Loki then departed for the Hall of Thrym in Thor's luxurious goat-drawn chariot. The day of the wedding arrived, and a servant entered Thrym's room to inform him that Freya had arrived. He went out to greet her and her attendant. Thor was in full wedding attire, including his veil, but Thrym couldn't resist taking a quick peek. He lifted the veil, quickly dropping it when he saw bloodshot eyes full of anger and hate glaring at him, apparently missing the full beard that had, according to the story, not been cut or even trimmed in the slightest. He looked at Loki, who quickly used his famous silver tongue to attempt to placate the shocked Jotun. Freya, he said, had been so excited about her upcoming nuptials that she hadn't been able to sleep for an entire eight days and nights, leading to her eyes looking as they did. Thrym, apparently not just the most rich Jotun, but also the most gullible, nodded. That seemed perfectly reasonable. I mean, who wouldn't want to marry the supreme stud of Jotunheim, right? Thrym led the two into the Grand Hall where the wedding would take place, which had been decorated with the utmost care to reflect the immensity of the occasion. Thor remained silent, just barely smart enough to know that talking would give him away. But Loki made a show of ooing and aahing at everything. It then came time for the wedding feast. Thor and Loki sat down at the table, and before Thrym had even finished saying Jotun Grace, Thor began to tear into the food. As Thor continued to literally eat Thrym out of house and home, he gave Loki another what-the-hell look. Thankfully, Loki had an answer for this as well. Freya, he said, had been so excited about the upcoming wedding that she hadn't been able to eat anything for the past eight days and nights as well, and so she was just incredibly hungry. After a few moments of what I assume is incredibly awkward silence, Thrym clapped his hands and called out to his servants, telling them to bring forth Mjolnir so they might be used to sanctify the most unholy union since Michael Jackson married Lisa Marie. 
the Jotun servants brought out the hammer and set it in front of Thor and Thrym. Thor took the hammer in his hand, laughing like a lunatic and telling Loki that the plan had worked. Thrym looked at Loki, waiting for the next excuse, but before he could ask his question, WHAM! His head was sent sailing with a swing of the hammer, landing in a nearby pod. Not only had Thor decapitated the Jotun in one blow, but he had invented the game of golf as well. True story! After a few moments, the Hall of Thrym had literally been painted with the blood of Jotuns. Thor left with Loki, still in drag, but happy to have been reunited with his magic murder hammer. Before they got back into the chariot, Loki asked Thor if he liked the change. Thor said no, he was good, and the two went back to Asgard to celebrate the best wedding ever. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert reminding you that the first 30 seconds of a marriage are always the most bloody. Back to you, Kenny. Music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander. You ever see such jerky-looking creatures? Forgot about that drop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are jerky-looking creatures. Screw you. Uh, welcome back to the program, uh, Joe. Hello. Yeah. Michelle. In fact, there was a quote in the... Uh, oh, yeah? Uh, in... Uh, yeah, never mind. Oh. Uh, Station 11. Station 11. Uh, yeah, Station 11. Yeah, they the had... Sta- to, the sta- to the monsters were the monsters. Yes, oh, and that's right. in, in Station Eleven, there was also some Star Trek bits. There was talking about yes. the, the, the 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 genetically improved flu. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I forgot. And about group that. of actors. Remember that episode? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, and don't yes, forget yes. to remember the audition too. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> oh yes, I love so, that. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was really fun. And uh, I knew what that was right away. I was like, oh no way! That's great. Um, that, so, uh, and, uh, of course, yeah, welcome back, Michelle and Miles. Welcome back to you as well, sir. Yep. 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 All right. So I think what we'll do just for the sake of time to try and make sure we get to, um, we'll do wheel of time last in this segment because there's a couple things that I'm looking forward to and, uh, there, I think I'm going to skip over one, but, uh, check out the Eternals. I just watched the Eternals on Disney plus. Really great movie. Has some pretty cool twists in it. That movie took a lot of shit from uh, critics. I don't know why, because it was great. Honest to God, it almost played like um, a twisted version of a Justice League movie. 
because there are a lot of a lot of the Eternals characters are almost uh, pastiches of uh, members of the Justice League. There's definitely a, a Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, slightly Green Lantern, Green Lantern, slight Batman. Um, in there, uh, I, I would check it out. It's, it's, um, it's really cool. And it adds a lot to the MCU and you're going to want to watch Kit Harrington. And by the way, there is a post credit scene in there that is, uh, I, I found out who there was a voice off screen. That's all I'll say. And I found out who it was and it's really exciting. So, uh, check that out. But something else, Marvel Cinematic Universe related, that I'm very excited about. I missed this trailer. I had no no idea it came out, but it came out about three weeks ago. Doctor Strange Two: The Multi The Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, check this out. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Why? We tampered with the stability of space time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. It was the only way. But I never meant for any of this to happen. Later, you'd show up. I made mistakes, and people were hurt. I'm not here to talk about Westview. Then what are you here for? I need your help. With what? What do you know about the multiverse? I'm sorry, Stephen. Understand the greatest threat to our universe is you. Things just got out of hand. Okay, so much is going into this because we are obviously, uh, I have not yet seen, uh, I'm not going to theaters, so I have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, but there are a lot of references to Spider-Man No Way Home. There are a lot of references, obviously, to WandaVision from Disney+, and uh, there's going to be a lot of other connections. It looks like there might be a connection to the What If series from Disney+, Plus as well. I'm not exactly certain, but... What is fantastic about this is this is a Sam Raimi movie. And uh, you know what's really crazy is I had no idea some of the other movies that Sam Raimi did. He did the movie for The Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. 
And he also did uh, the movie The Quick and the Dead with Sharon Stone and, um, yes. uh, oh gosh, uh, what's his name? Um, he played Lex Luthor. Le- Lex- Gene Hackman, thank you, yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, so I'm always surprised when I see, like, Sam Raimi's name on some of these movies. I mean, he, re- you know, those were movies that were made when I was, like, you know, broke and wasn't going to see movies a lot, you know, in the 90s. Um, I missed out on a lot of movies in the 90s, a lot of TV in the 90s, because, well, I was in bands, too, and I was touring and scraping money together and, um, you know, working weird hours and stuff. But, um, but yeah, you know you're in for a treat if Sam Raimi directed it, because he really has gotten to the point where he's one of those directors that he can make a movie where there's something for everybody in it. And it seems like he's truly embraced the broader scale Marvel Cinematic Universe, even you know, even the stuff on the small screen. So that's pretty cool that he's he's being a team player with this. Um, unlike the days when he was directing you know, Spider-Man Three, and the studio was like, "No, put more characters in, more characters, more characters," without any kind of reason to put them in, other than yeah. merchandising, you know. <laughs> So, uh, so this is this is exciting. And uh, Michelle, there's one takeaway. Did you happen to notice? I don't know what your knowledge is. She's kind of a more recent character, but they did. There was an Easter egg in that trailer for a, a very popular current character that is not made from the comics. That is not made an appearance in the movies yet. Do you know who I'm talking about? Not offhand. All I can tell you is I squeed when I saw this movie because a it's got Doctor Strange in it. Love Doctor Strange. I've always loved Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I have been I have been an immensely big Wanda fan since the West Coast Avengers and before. Oh God, I know, love the West Coast I, Avengers. I, yeah, I love her to death, and I'm mm-hmm. so glad she's going to be in the movie. And I'm just saying, blame it all on Parker. It's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they could easily make a West Coast Avengers movie with, uh, you know, if they decided to expand and, and, you know, make multi-Avengers teams, because that's what they've been doing in the, in the, um, recent years in the comics. And funny, you mentioned West Coast Avengers because the, the, the Easter egg in the trailer is a young Avengers Easter egg. There is the, oh yes, yes. There is a picture of a young woman in a denim jacket with a big white star, very reminiscent of Captain America's big white star on the back. And she's walking into, uh, it looks like it might be Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right. San, not Santorum. Sanc- <laughs> Sanctum Santorsa, we'll call it that. Um, there you go, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, that is, uh, it, it's got to be America Chavez. America Chavez is a mystic character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who drew heavy inspiration uh, to be a hero from Captain America and was based on the Miss America character, the Golden Age character, Miss America, um, which uh, is kind of fascinating that they're getting that deep cut into the MCU with this stuff. And um, there's also a very... Um, Army of Darkness moment in the movie where Doctor Strange meets another Doctor Strange. Yep. Uh, you know, also harkens back to Superman three, where Super, you know, Clark Kent fights Superman. You know, that kind of thing. Although, albeit that was pretty hokey. Um, 
but yeah, it, it looks great. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I think it's the Dr. Strange two movie we all deserve. So, uh, so there's that, um, real quick. One other thing that is coming out in 2022, actually it's coming up on February 3rd. I am so excited from Ridley Scott as at least a producer and my favorite television series um, of recent years, Raised by Wolves Season 2 is coming out, which is kind of a spiritual cousin to uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Raised by Wolves Season 2, it's coming, and here's the audio for the trailer. I'm so excited! This side of the planet seems less intent on killing our children. Father once said to me, if you pretend to be something wrong enough, something wicked this way comes. Eventually, you will no longer need to pretend. I fear we're becoming too human. What's done cannot be. To be the parents that our children deserve. We have to think of the future now. Something wicked this way comes. What's done cannot be. You need to form your own ideas. When the trust passes the baton, you'll be the one to take it. I'm gonna convert them all. One at a time if I have to. I'm missing you able to believe that there's someone out there listening. Someone with the power to make things all better. When are we going to tell them what we discovered? I have to keep my children safe. I am the prophet. Nothing can stand against me. To be worthy of souls love children, you only need faith. And that is one thing that this robot never take away from us. Love is the death of us all. What fun we're going to have today. Wow. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did, did any of you watch uh, Raised by Wolf season one? No. no. Oh God! It it is brilliant, high concept uh, sci-fi. Uh, the the basic premise is there is um, a uh, there are two uh, artificial intelligence robots, androids, whatever you want to call them, that are tasked with repopulating a planet uh, that is habitable habitable for human life. And they are sent before um, the a, a colony ship of a group called the Mithrans, which are the religious uh, order that were were engaged in a holy war between um, the Mithrans and the atheists. The atheist, an atheist uh, scientist, sent 
uh, I won't tell you the, the origins of the actual robots themselves because there's a lot of depth to that. But uh, mother and father were sent ahead in a faster, smaller craft and got to the planet and had several human embryos that they, that mother was uh, adapted. She she was adapted to uh, give life to and birth these children, and then they get to this planet, and the fun begins. And then a few years later, the Mithrans show up, and all hell breaks loose. And season one is there's a lot of concepts that are that come directly from the concepts that were uh, from Prometheus and um, Alien Covenant, but obviously it's it's a spiritual cousin because you know it was a lot of storytelling that Ridley Scott worked with the directors and writers and stuff like that on the concept of this series, and it is. It is fantastic. This 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 TV series is is my soul almost. <laughs> this is what I absolutely love in science fiction entertainment, and um, it is it's weird, it's thought provoking, it's um, it's multifaceted and creepy as all get out. So it's all you know. It, it's it's essentially a sci fi horror series. Um, and, uh, mother is brilliant. Father is brilliant. And yeah, thank you, Michelle and Francie for putting those in there because that really shows the, how crazy this, this series is. And of course yeah. that, that second one, Michelle, you put in there little nods back to like Metropolis and stuff like that too. So it really, yep. you know, has a depth in the history of sci-fi. So, um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to go quickly though. Uh, but yeah, please, if you guys can watch this, because I would love to do a special on at least season one of this before we get to season two. Not a special, but you know, maybe dedicate an hour to it. So I think you guys will really like it. Uh, season one is only like seven or or eight or ten episodes, and it's terrific. Great cast, mostly unknowns, um, but uh, you know, it's just terrific. So, uh, real quick, uh, here's the trailer for Wheel of Time. Swear your oath, Moraine Sedai. I swear to speak no word that is not true. To make no weapon with which one person may kill another. And never to use the one power as a weapon. Do you know what Aes Sedai means in the old time? Servants of all. It is they who serve the world. choose this path, but I will follow it. Where next? The two rivers. The old blood runs deep in those mountains. Let's hope it's prepared them for what's coming. The Dark One is waking. But there will be one who can stand against him. And it's one of the five of you. You fully lost your mind. Your life isn't going to be what you thought. Moraine. What are those? His army is coming. What can we do? We protect the people we love. No matter the cost. 
Our enemies are everywhere. They will leave no one standing. You've lost too many people already. I can't lose you. You won't. If we do not stop the Dark One now, the whole world will burn. I can't allow it. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Do you think we'll ever go back? Home. No. Yeah. Uh, powerful first two episodes. A uh, lot of... Uh, and this is on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, season one. And is the complete uh, season up? I have not even paid attention. Yes, it is. They covered okay. the first book. <laughs> All right. How many books in the series? Whole bunch. <laughs> Whole bunches. All right. Well, okay. Why don't you... Why don't, uh, uh, Michelle Miles uh, take... You know, I don't want to cut... However long you want to talk about it, I know it's only three minutes before the hour. Say what you want about the series. I'll shut up because I've only seen two episodes. Um, the best thing is it's a fantasy series, but it deals with a lot of things that are you know and you know that that have been uh, used in literature for for centuries. They deal with you know a, a, a fanatics. Of whatever religion or social structure or political structure, because um, you have the Aja, uh, which are the uh, the Asadi, the Asadi, as I say it, mm-hmm. um, which uh, they are the ones that are, they're the women that have survived the Great Sundering, that have learned to harness the power, um, basically of magic, and uh, men can no longer touch it because it was corrupted by the dark figure, the dark one they call, mm-hmm. you know, which is their version of Satan or, you know, uh, an evil entity. And then you have like your church structure, which are the followers of the light and they're out to purge magic completely. And you don't know if they're the good guys or the bad guys, but they act like the bad guys most of the time when you come across them. And they are very, very nasty. And then you have dark friends, which are those that are in power of the dark, you know, forces. And then you have the prophecy of the dragon reborn, which is supposedly somebody is going to inherit a lot of power. They don't know if it's male or female, and they're going to be able to confront the dark one or become the dark one's ally and break the world once again. Okay. So, yeah, and I have to say it did not, the series had me fooled as to the depth of what we were going to be seeing it seemed very simple at first, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It really did. It, and, you know, being, of course, conditioned by Game of Thrones, you didn't see monsters, you didn't see magic, you didn't see stuff like that right off the bat. You know, and it was very kind of like, it was like they talked about magic a lot and they did some ritual kind of stuff and everything, but then they were like, oh, now we're going to have a dance for our ancestors to come back. And you're like, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> um, oh. Also, I was entertained by it. This held my interest. Lots of compelling characters um, that you know you follow. There's drama, but that's not unexpected. You know, you, you, there's that's just normal, and that's fine. Uh, you know, there's good hooks. I will say I do like 
the portrayal of it's a it's a saying um, because I'll, I'll I'll say the saying after I make the point. So women are the ones that are able to wield this power without going insane. Mm-hmm. Men can wield it, but suffer and go crazy or you know hear voices, whatever. So yeah, there's a definite situation where the women in this world are the ones that can wield power. Yeah. And I will simply say this, this story, this book, this author does a very good job of portraying the old adage, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So there's definitely the, the, there are heroes to be said. There are women that, you know, don't answer to it, but yeah, even, even being female does, doesn't, yeah, you, they, they do, they can do bad things too. Yeah. So I was I was pretty riveted uh, by the um, uh, the first epi- first two episodes, and I'm looking forward to going back to it uh, because a lot of the stuff I'm watching, I don't have episodes for it anymore. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole series does a very good job um, at portraying the books. They had to change a lot, but they kept the overall flavor of things very yeah. nicely. Good, good. So, uh, all right. Uh, on that note, uh, we are running long here, so we should probably hit the break so you guys have plenty of time to talk about what you want to discuss. So, when we come back, Miles, we're going to get a big update and uh, uh, some other uh, thoughts from you on some other things. Some uh, were you blunders or uh, errors or something like that? Oh, that yeah. Mean? Well, uh, yeah. So, I'll be talking about, you know, an update on the James Webb Telescope. And depending on time permitting, I'll talk some military blunders. All right. Fantastic. We'll be right back with lots more. It came from Cleveland right after this. Wait, who let the bees in here? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I'm out of my eyes! And now, on with the show. Hey, Macarena. Going to be a good night. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last. The real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish unto Something evil. We're all different! Yes! We're all different! I'm not. Not recommended for impressionable children. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for sure. Uh, but yeah, that I, I had to play because that was just absolutely classic moment from uh, just a fantastic film, The Life of Brian, of course. But yeah, so uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Joe, thank you for all the great recommendations. I'm very much looking forward to watching a bunch of the stuff that you uh, put out there for us. And, Have fun. Uh, yeah, and Michelle, looking forward to... 
uh, what I just spoiled for everybody as well. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, but Miles, you've got, uh, some, uh, fun stuff to discuss on the program tonight as well. Some good science. Right. Uh, so we're, uh, I'm going to be retouching on what I talked about on, uh, just before Christmas, if I, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, the James Webb telescope, which successfully launched, it is now. 87% of the way to the L2 Lagrange uh, point, the, the gravity-neutral location where mm-hmm. the satellite will orbit in a uh, kind of a halo way because it's not um, – it can't go into the umbra of the Earth because it will cause fluctuations in temperature. So it's going to stay out of the shadow of the Earth and constantly be bombarded, which is why it needs the sun shield. So the sun shields started to get deployed on the third day after the launch and succeeded a little about eh, halfway out of the 10th day. So these tennis, tennis, uh, tennis court-sized sheets of mylar, uh, motors, springs, everything actually to pull them nice and tight, and they successfully happened on the 11th day. The secondary mirror successfully deployed. That's the thing that's on a little tripod that hovers out in front of the 18 uh, gold-plated mirrors um, yeah. that uh, are make make up the primary mirror of the uh, the telescope. So these the, it's this is a technical marvel of uh, of, of engineering. You know, it's like a ten, I think it's ten billion dollars if I'm not mistaken. This, that's mm-hmm. how pricey. This thing is, um, and obviously that's not the original price tag that was attached to it. it, uh, it the, the money's had to gone up due to delays and what have you. And then anyway, so on uh, the 13th day, the primary uh, mirror segments were deployed. That's the three mirrors to the left, three mirrors to the right to form the full 18 mirror uh, deployment. And now, the satellite, as we speak, is going through a 10-day operation of, I guess it would be a calibration of the mirrors. So there are six motors attached to each mirror, and each mirror is going to be adjusted and moved uh, because after the launch, I mean, the launch is a very violent and vibrating thing as I've mentioned before. And so things are going to fall out of calibration anytime things are shaken around. Yeah. And so these six little motors that are attached to each mirror will shift its position, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z axis. Not only that, and this is the really cool part that I love. Um, how do I describe this? So, oh, I know. Um, so, Kenny, you you know musical uh, musical instruments like the drum, right? Sure. And how you've got a membrane stretched over a frame. And yes. so imagine something attached to the center of that drum, and it pulls the membrane down to tighten it mm-hmm. or releases the membrane to let it loosen up a little bit. So that's what this extra motor can do 
and it basically makes the mirror more or less concave to help focus the light that it's going to be reflecting from wherever it's focused. And so these motors are so precise, they move one millimeter per day. Wow. So for Makes, layman's terms, for people that don't mm -hmm. know the metric system, one millimeter is <laughs> less than 4% of an inch. Well, that and it's also, if you listen to the first hour of the show, uh, uh, that's the the length of a, a finger of, of a homunculi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... It's a very, uh, uh, yes, very precise. So over these 10 days, each mirror is going to be moved, and they've got, oh, man, uh, computer science, all that sort of stuff. So they're going to be taking pictures of things with the satellite, and each mirror is going to be moved in a little bit, and so they will know which image, because there's 18 mirrors, so that's 18 different images being reflected off of the secondary mirror, to get to the tertiary mirror, which reflects it to each instrument. Sure. And so each mirror is going to be individually calibrated, moving it left, right, up and down the, the mm -hmm. X, Y, Z axis, in addition to the con the, the increase or decrease of the concave uh, aspect of the mirror. Yeah, and this all makes, of this. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me too because it, moving uh, something that is in space, that is shooting, that is that is moving, that is going to do imaging, like to the the origins of the universe. Moving one millimeter is like if you think of the uh, what what do you call it the the parallax, right? Would that be the oh the, yeah the, parallax yeah. Yeah, the, the parallax of one millimeter from that point out to where it, what it's looking at is so broad. Th right. You know. the, 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 yes, the whole point is to make the image as focused as possible. Yeah. So imagine having, well, basically what this is doing is you're having 18 magnifying glasses all aiming towards one location and you have to calibrate these magnifying glasses so that the light that passes through them all shine at one location in focus. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on here. So, and this is all happening uh, one and a half million kilometers away from Earth. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, right now, 87% complete to distance. So right now, the satellite is one and a quarter million kilometers away, and it is increasing that distance. Oh, it's changed speed since the start of the show. It is increasing oh, wow. that distance at dot two nine one seven kilometers per second. At the start of the show, it was dot two nine two two kilometers per second. So the satellite is slowing down. I mean, basically, if you think of shooting a bullet straight up into the air, mm -hmm. the bullet. But it's going to slow down until it reaches zero, you know, and what have you. Well, same thing. So this satellite is losing kinetic energy 
as the gravity of Earth is continuously pulling on it. So it's slowing down. It's got more than enough speed to reach the L2 location. So in order for it to reach the L2 location and not overshoot it, it's got its fuel uh, on board, and it's going to be firing its engines in order to uh, properly... There, have been, there are three course corrections... I'll do another update on this satellite uh, once it's fully deployed, and I'll be sharing pictures that it's going to be taking. All oh, the I cannot wait for the pictures. There's stuff I want to talk about so bad. Uh, do you know what I'll the wait. the the time uh, what the um, uh, the time frame it is uh, time frame is from when a picture is taken as to how long it takes to transmit it back to Earth? Well, um. From what I know, this is one and a half million kilometers, and light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. Something, uh, oh no, that's meters, not kilometers. Anyway, it takes light eight seconds to get to the moon. And yeah. the moon is a quarter of a, a million miles away. I don't know how. I can't think of that roughly. Well, I mean, long, you know, it's a long time. But I mean, the transmission time uh, is what I'm uh, talking about. Like, how long does it take for pictures to be once they're taken to transmit back to Earth, and then have, and then we're able to see them? Okay, so I'm hearing two different questions. One question being. How long does it take for light to travel from the satellite from the L2 to Earth? And how long does it take for the transmission of a picture? Because yeah. uh, I don't know the answer to either of those questions. No, that's but fine. But I'll look them up. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that in the, yeah, the, yeah, for the next Yeah, for the next time. That, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, those are good questions to know. Yeah, that, that's, that's important. Um, so right now, uh, the hot side of the satellite that is facing the sun and the sun shield is shielding it is 55 degrees celsius that's easily oh 130 140 degrees mm -hmm. uh that's hot and the cold side <laughs> we're talking just a few inches away because each of these mylars is only separated by a few inches is negative 200 degrees celsius and so that is like 300 degrees uh, or more Fahrenheit in the negative. Yeah. That's crazy cold. So, and all, and this machine, all this machinery is functioning in that cold. Um, but that that's what it, is, it was designed to do. So, um, but uh, yeah. So, hot, thermal thermal imaging. This thing's going to be looking up stuff. I'll talk about that in the third thing. So. Uh, that that is where we're at with the uh, James Webb Telescope. So now I'm going to move on to military blunders. So the first one I want to talk about. Let's talk about the Indian Navy. <laughs> All right. So it's This is actually recent. I know I talk about military history. Uh, what happened? In World War Two, World War One, Revolutionary War, stuff like that. This happened last decade, <laughs> ten years ago. So the Indian Navy, apparently, they purchase submarines or lease submarines from the Russians. Um, I know India is an ally of America, but apparently they do. They get their military hardware from Russia. 
Uh, it, may, it might have to do with the uh, non-nuclear proliferation treaty and stuff like that because India didn't sign out to that, I don't think. And I think Pakistan and India are always just... Uh, it, it's hot over there. They, they are really hating each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it, anyway, so India got a Acula class submarine from the Russians. And now the Acula is an attack submarine, but this one was modified. Its hull was lengthened to accommodate 16 ballistic missiles for nuclear warheads. Now these aren't super long range. 12 of them only go about 400 and change miles, maybe 500 miles. That's enough to cover Pakistan. The other four yeah. go a little bit longer, and they can reach Beijing, you know, because China's another adversary of India's. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you expect when you got two countries, each with a, a population of a billion people? It's, sure. It's, yeah. So, so this is the pride and joy. It is the pinnacle of the Indian Navy as a nuclear deterrent for being attacked. So 10 years ago, the, uh, the the name of this ship is the Arahant, the INS Arahant, and I am more than likely mispronouncing that, so apologies. So it's in the harbor of uh, wherever it was stationed, and it's going through, I guess, uh, preliminary, I don't know, preparations to launch, what have you. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things that I guess they're going to test is submerging. Well... Somebody forgot to close a hatch in the oh, rear of fuck. the submarine. <laughs> and seawater comes pouring into the propulsion systems of the submarine. The submarine did not sink. So that's the good news. That is the good but, news, isn't it? So this $3 billion submarine that in India bought from the, the Russians is out of commission for 10 months as they are pumping seawater out of the submarine. And on top of that, they are replacing all the pipes that are responsible for pumping coolant to the 83 megawatt nuclear reactor. Because apparently once you expose metal to seawater, eh, you probably don't want to rely on your pride and joy of the Navy, uh, you know, sailing around out there with salt slowly eating away at the metal that's responsible for keeping your sub from blowing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that's uh, it's a, it was a major embarrassment for the uh, uh, Indian Navy for this to happen. And they chalked it up to um, human error, but I imagine they've probably got some brand new sensors installed on all the hatches. Uh, just to prevent that from happening again. Uh, yeah, one would it, <laughs> that that might be a good investment. I I would think so. Money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's a military blunder for Preventative you. I, I wouldn't want to. Oh, you know, it's really hard to throw stones because America has its own situation. So uh, there was a movie uh, called Broken Arrow. Yeah. And for those that don't know, this is a term that the military uses for when a nuclear weapon has, uh, let's just say, mistakenly been lost or intentionally lost, not intentionally, but taken by someone or stolen or what have you. It's a big deal. 
You'd never ever want to know or hear about a broken arrow incident. I wish I could say that um, it's never happened, but it has more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an incident in South Carolina, or was it North Carolina? I think Greenwich, where a uh, XB-70 bomber broke up in midair and two uh, nuclear weapons were, fell <laughs> and landed. Oh. And, and uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not the story I'm talking about. That's, that's where, I mean, if a plane breaks up, I mean, you can chalk it up to anything from um, misplaced... Uh, um, maintenance that wasn't done properly or they missed something or you know planes have a certain lifetime anyway it, it, this was a this isn't the story that I'm going to talk about because there was also another one that happened in Alaska but the one I'm talking about happened in New Mexico <laughs> so a uh, B39 peacemaker coincidence no coincidence there it's just it's the name of the bomber. <laughs> it, what, yes, as a, a B-36. Uh, on May 22nd of 1957. So it's flying in uh, uh, New Mexico airspace. It's coming in for a landing at the uh, Air Force Base there in New Mexico. And everything's going fine. And this bomber... Uh, only had like one third of the fuel that it normally uh, can potentially carry. This bomber is uh, uh, the last of the propeller-driven bombers that the Air Force ever used. Uh, every, yeah. uh, past this point, everything becomes jet. So yeah. this propeller-driven bomber is flying along, and it's planning to come in for a landing at this Air Force base. And they're about three to four miles from the uh, runway. And then all of a sudden, the bomber jumps up. Jump, not actually being a correct term. It just rises mm-hmm. 1,000 feet up into the air. Really? Yeah. Now, <laughs> what? Uh-oh. Am I here? You're oh, here. We lost, I can hear you. We lost, we lost Joe. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, oh no, Joe. So the, uh, the the it was carrying the most powerful nuclear bomb in the uh, arsenal of America at the time. I think it was the uh, M17 or X17, something like that. It's a okay. 24 foot long, five foot diameter nuclear bomb. And if mm-hmm. anyone's seen famous pictures of a nuclear mushroom cloud, like the one that was blew up the uh, the Bikini Atoll, uh huh. That that was the, what this bomb. That was that bomb. Did you so, know that there were? Did you know that right next to uh, uh, the Bikini Atoll, there there was another one that's a clothing optional uh, oh, one oh, called awesome. No No Bikini Atoll. The No Bikini. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, I, I stole that from lot. Beanie. I stole that from Beanie and Cecil. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what this plane was carrying, and there are safeguards in bombers to prevent the release of a bomb before you know things, uh, you know, before it's intended. 
and there's like an inch thick shaft of metal. It's a pin that is inserted into uh, the bomb release mechanism as a safety feature. And apparently this pin is removed during takeoff and removed just before landing in -hmm. order to, just in case the bomb needs to be released to save the plane. Sure. Um, well, there is a crewman aboard this plane who has got, he's got his safety harness on and he's tied off for safety reasons. And he's going through doing his job, whatever. And the pin, he removes the pin. And this isn't something like, oh, let's just open the bomb bay doors and just drop a bomb for the fun of it. No, no. The bomb drops. And this multi-ton, I mean, it it is a heavy, heavy, heavy bomb. It just drops through the doors. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Coming through. It just, the doors... Stand no chance <laughs> of holding all. this bomb in place. It plows through the bottom of the plane and and lands and hits the ground, you know, three miles out from uh, the Air Force base. And oh, there geez. was a casualty. Um, it was a cow. Okay. <laughs> that was feeding. So free yeah, burgers. There, there was a there was a death. Um, and the, and the farmer that it would belong to was reimbursed. Good, good. We are at 929 right now, Miles, just so you know. Oh, all right. Well, then I'll have to save the last, uh, blunder for another story. But, um, the, the guy, he, he got on the intercom of the, uh, (laughs) bomber went bombs away, which is, I guess what uh, you say when you lose the bomb. It was a major to do. It was such a, uh, they, paid off the University of Mexico, which is where the bomb mm-hmm. landed. It blew up the conventional oh, explosives, geez. exploded, but there were safeties in the bomb that prevented the visible, fissionable material yeah, from yeah. detonating, so there was no nuclear explosion, but there well, was that's... still nuclear material that got scattered, so that had to be cleaned yeah, up. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, and this was kept a secret for 29 years. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. And That's they didn't know good. about it until a Freedom of Information Act was answered or, uh, you know, done. And they said they got it from the Air Force. And the Air Force had to cough it up. And they go, what? <laughs> oh, geez. That <laughs> this is happened that... back in 1957. Wow. So... Wow. That's big. Well, I'll tell you what. We do absolutely have to run to the break. Michelle, you, yeah, can, yeah. Just fi- you can just fill us in on the birthday trailers after we come back from the break on what these are but i'll run them right now and we'll be right back with lots more well a little bit more it came from cleveland right after this afternoon sorry about that it's okay i'll get it give me your hand Edward, I know that we haven't spoken in a few years. I need your help. I need your help. I have a daughter. Her name is Rowan. She has been missing for two weeks now. I fear she is in danger, so now I turn to you. Be careful and believe nothing that you see or hear. Lost your bearings? Oh, hey. Sorry. Snuck up on me there. This is private property. Do you know her? 
Hmm, I don't recognize this child. Welcome. My little girl is still here. She has been taken by who I don't know. I'll find her. If she existed, we would know of her. Whose desk is this, hmm? Rowan? Hello? You suspect foul play. Hey! Wicker Man returns. Who's the Wicker Man? I'm gonna search every inch of this town. She'll burn to death. She burned to death. I need your help. Daddy. Chevy Chase is Max Fiedler. Tuna? An air traffic controller who's losing control. 350. Hold there, friends. 350 for Tuna? Copy your correction. Coming in at 350 from Tunis. Not you, Tunis. Maintain 325. He lives a modern life. <laughs> with a modern girl. Modern friends. And modern problems. What seems to be the problem here? Well, his girlfriend moved out on him yesterday and mm -hmm. she took everything in the apartment and now she's here with some guy. That's fair enough. She wanted it, she took it, he let her. Everybody dumps on Max. Until a nuclear shower gives him the power and a green light. Oh, it's true. To get even. Max. Now he's out of control. And about to make this the funniest Christmas ever. This is demon powder. Now, he touched that, he died. Nobody knows. Chevy Chase. He's got hot brains. <laughs> like it. Oh, oh. And modern problems. Patty <laughs> Darbinville. Did you see that? Mary Kate Place. Hi, Max. Nell Carter. And Dabney Coleman. Modern problems. I blew it. I was a bad boy. <laughs> modern problems. It'll glow on you. Today's a good day to die. Flatline. 30 seconds to go. Can you recall any specific emotion or sensation? No, but there's something out there. We're running out of time. 300, clear. Nothing. You're hot, go again. Clear. Nothing, I can't hear anything. Come on, Nelson. Freeze. We lost him. No! Welcome back, man. I'm going next. Two minutes. Two ten. Was there anything negative about your experience? This is too weird. 
We've experienced death. Now somehow we brought our sins back physically. They're pissed. That is not hallucination and it is not possible. Oh my God. You withheld information, that's the same as lying. You wouldn't have done it. At least we would have had a choice. You're not real. <laughs> hey, come on, they're your sins. Live with them. I do. No! Nelson, please! That's all right, paid my dues. Thank you for the nightmare. No! Come on, Joe! Flatliners. Some lines shouldn't be crossed. Trapped. I'm aboard my ship. You were very lucky. Not just that we found you, we actually have a real doctor on board. He told me for his own good. No, it isn't! Surrounded by spiders. <laughs> Spiders are carnivores. Racing against time. What in the hell did you do to my husband? By this time tomorrow, he'll be a new man. The courage of one woman. He's gone. He's not coming back. Take her to the lab. Will they escape? That is not going to happen to you. <laughs> Too bad you'll never make it. That lab is crawling with spiders. And they are more vicious, more cunning than anything that ever walked the face of the earth. Trapped. Let's go. When I have a bad dream, I close my eyes and I think of something nice. So let's go sailing. Wind's dropped out on us. Get below deck now. Get the life jacket. God. Hello? Where is everybody? You enter a place you have never been. I recognize this corridor. Everything you see, you have seen before.
guy needs to chill out. Or that guy just needs to load the right trailer brick. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I know. I just, uh, uh, I had something urgent I had to uh, attend to, and I forgot to load it in. And, uh, but no, that's okay. So for people listening live, you got to hear extra trailers for the podcast uh, folks out there. We're going to edit that out. Anyway, uh, welcome back. And uh, Michelle, uh, before we get to Graham Chapman, um, go ahead and uh, tell us what those trailers were, the right trailer break we heard. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Mr. Oliver Platt was born December uh, January 12th, 1960 in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And he was in Flatliners along with Kiefer Sutherland and a whole slew of other really uh, famous fun actors. Oh, yeah. And um, we heard from him last week uh, from Lake Placid as well with Betty White. Yes, he was. Yep. Which is cool for Betty White's mm -hmm. birthday. I mean, for Betty White's uh, memorial. Um, yeah. Then the second one is a really bad uh, <laughs> made for a TV sci fi uh, channel movie called Spiders 2. And that had our uh, Richard Mall in it, uh, aka Bull from Night Court. Yeah. Um, he was born on January 13th, 1943, in Pasadena, California. And um, the third one is one of my, it's my second favorite Hemsworth brother. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth, Hell born yeah. January 13th in 1990 in Melbourne, Australia. And he was in a movie called Triangle, which was also, I, th I think, a, a release-to-TV movie uh, for the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, nice. I don't know how well it did on, on its normal release, so there you go. Yeah, and of course, uh, thank you for that, and uh, great job on the birthday trailers as always. And uh, and uh, Miles, thank you uh, for the update on the the new telescope and uh, some more blunders. And we're looking forward to your leftovers for uh, next go around. Yep, yep. And seal your hatches, you submariners. Indeed. <laughs> yes, you have to close those hatches. You know, and yeah. it's like having a screen door in a submarine. Not See, a good idea to keep there them open. There you go. There you go. And uh, well, that is quite the 20th century uh, 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 phrase. And uh, uh, Joe, welcome back. And thank you for all the great uh, recommendations. A lot of great stuff on Netflix I need to catch up on. Oh, yeah. You'll have to renew. Yeah. Yeah. Re-up is what they say. Re-up. Yeah. Yeah, re-up. <laughs> all right so michelle let's go ahead and get straight into it uh and we might run a little long for everybody listening because uh we have some awesome audio from michelle on uh go ahead yes we have uh graham chapman's birthday uh he was born january 8th 1941 in leicester england um he was born during a german air raid oh wow Yes, um, his father was a chief of police, um, a, a chief police inspector, and probably inspired constables Graham, often portrayed later in comedy sketches. Uh, another fact that people really don't know much about, um, or who don't know much about him, or haven't you know looked into him, he was a medical doctor. He actually had a medical degree. Wow. He practiced medicine for a few years and just got. It wasn't his thing. He kind of <laughs> looks like a doctor, doesn't he? Kinda, yeah. He has that 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 clean cut clean cut uh, British look to him. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, but uh, yeah, so he uh, he went into uh, as we know Monty Python doing movies and and skits and stuff. And um, here uh, is um, what inspired him to be um, in into uh, showbiz. Um, this is uh, Sir Michael Parkinson interviewing Graham Chapman. How were you therefore first attracted to showbiz? Um, I think really it was the uh, early radio shows. Um, I, I was an avid listener to, to radio shows like uh, Take It From Here. Um, before that, Jewel and Warris, um, Hancock, uh, uh, all sorts of radio shows. And then later, uh, when I was about 13, 14, The Goon Show, of course. Yeah. Here came a show which was not like any of the other shows. It, it didn't have the same kind of rules. It didn't have any rules. It, it didn't even like the, the medium that was putting it out, particularly. It didn't like the BBC. Wonderful. There was something that uh, I could relate to and uh, did. And uh, I suppose that's influenced us. And uh, Python, would you, you would see Python as a direct descendant then of what M Michael and, and others uh, started? Well, uh, actually, Harry Seacombe was, was kind enough once to say that we, we did for, for television what, uh, what the goons had done for radio. And um, maybe we did, I don't know. Yes. What are the problems involved, though, in, in, in working? I mean, uh, the, the success of a team like the goons or Monty Python depends upon every talent being separate and, and, and therefore mm. individualistic. What is the problem involved in, in, uh, in keeping a relationship, a working relationship, among such strong-minded people? I think one of the most important things, really, is that we should all feel at all times that we, we should do other things. In fact, we always have. Uh, I mean, I've always written uh, separately from, from Python. Um, situation comedies, for instance, for Ronnie Corbett, The Doctors that you were talking about earlier, The Doctor Script. Um, and we've, all of us have something else which is, which is a separate part of our lives, which, which keeps our own identity satisfied, as it were, so that we don't just submerge to the group. No. That's pretty insightful. Yeah, he was releasing his autobiography uh, or his his you know supposed autobiography. There's a lot of false stuff in it just because he's funny like he is. But sure. yeah, um, so he released he's releasing his book when he did this interview. Um, yeah, and what's really cool is um, he actually gets very candid in this interview because um, uh, uh, the interviewer um, asks him about. Um, his problem with alcohol and we all you know any of us that know graham chapman know he was pissed quite a bit yeah there were a <laughs> lot of stories from his fellow uh, pythons that uh uh talking about how he was just incapacitated on days they were filming and whatnot yeah he, he talks about it in depth on in this next part Going back to what you were saying there, raised an interesting point with you, Graham, in your career too, about being drunk and this sort of thing. Because, yeah. uh, because you, in fact, were, were more than, than, than drunk on one occasion. You were, in fact, an alcoholic. Were you yes, right? I did a lot of drinking, a great deal, a very great deal indeed, Michael, yes. You were an alcoholic. You safely say yes. I did do a very great deal. Yeah, why yeah. was that, do you think? Uh, I think, well, I don't know, really, the answer to that. Uh, deep inside, I, I think, actually, that I was insecure. I didn't really feel that I'd uh, deserved the success that I'd achieved, as it were. I think that was it. Who was laughing at that? Yes. Strange <laughs> reaction. I'll come sort you out later on. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, 
I think that was the reason. Uh, some sort of insecurity. After all, I was the one of the group that hadn't... That I was a grammar school boy, you know. I wasn't a uh, public school. I managed to get to Cambridge. Then I felt a little bit out of my depth there, perhaps. I don't know. But I always seemed to get there. Never seemed to have to do a great deal of work. And yet managed. And I, I felt it was insecure. So I drank. And how much at, at, your, at your peak, so to speak, how much were you drinking? Um, four pints of gin a day. Oh, four oh pints of gin a day. Yes. That was only during the last month and a half or so. That's almost a sort of terminal dose, isn't it, I would think? Pretty much, pretty much, yes. Mm. Yeah. What, what, uh, what pulled you back from, from it and made you stop drinking? Because you've been dry well, now. Well, I noticed, uh, actually, that uh, it was beginning to affect my work, um, because... <laughs> On the, uh, you mean when you remember it, it was a <laughs> When I could run my work, even. Um, yep, yeah, the very first day of filming of the Holy Grail. In fact, we were halfway up a mountainside in Glencoe, and I hadn't got my, uh, my daily dose. And it was seven o'clock in the morning that we left the hotel. The bar wasn't open. I hadn't realized this. I hadn't gotten anything prepared the night before as I should have if I'd researched my drinking properly. Uh, and so I had DTs on the mountainside, uh, while having to try and remember lines and uh, stand up, you know, it was uh, uh, then that I decided next time that I do a job like this, I'm going to be clean for it. Uh, it's not fair to the other chaps in the group. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to what I've written. Um, that's very stupid. And uh, so when I next had uh, a patch of time in which I thought I would need to, to recover, I took that patch of time and, uh, and recovered after... Well, I suppose really three days of hell. Yes, I was going to say, how difficult was it? Uh, actually, once the decision had been made, once I'd decided to stop, it was easy, except for the, for the three days of, uh, of unpleasantness, of, um, well, having things crawling all over me and... Uh... DTs. Yeah, yeah. And three... he goes on with some stories about it. <laughs> three I, I pints of gin. Yeah, that'll hurt you. No, four. He said oh, four. Oh, four. Oh, he said, okay, four pints of gin. I mean, think of what a pint glass is. It comes in pints? Uh, well, I I think it well, it could. It could have uh, in, in Britain, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that was a Lord of the Rings trip. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, you got me. So, <laughs> whew, over my head. Um... Uh, but no, that was, uh, yeah, that's, that's intense. Uh, yeah, he's, he's lucky he didn't have liver failure right then and there with that much. Good Lord. Yeah. So there, I posted a gif for you, Miles, about your joke there. <laughs> yes. So. Faster than a speeding bullet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he admitted his, his flaws, you know, he was under a lot of other pressure too. I mean, because sure. you know his lifestyle. I mean, there there are rumors, and there you know they they were later confirmed. But he was living a double life, and and that alone can kill you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially in Britain, especially if he can't, you know, if he was born during the during the Blitz, you know, during during the uh, during a bombing raid. Uh, he grew up in a time where you know certain of his activities were illegal. You could be arrested for them. Oh yeah, I mean there was you know there was a, a crusade in England in the seventies uh, to um, much like what we endured here in the in the eighties and nineties in in uh, 
the United States and even in the 2000s, uh, a crusade against uh, gay people. Like no. yeah, he could have been vilified. He could have been pilloried. He could have been arrested and thrown in jail. Yeah. There were there were actually people that were you know or so. beaten up and killed uh, like yes. we've seen so often. So um yeah, so he had a lot to overcome, and I, I you know sometimes people need crutches. I'm I'm not the first person to you know I I I drank myself, but not to that extreme, and I try to keep it away from you know certain activities nowadays. But it just, sure it can hurt you. Oh no, I, I agree. I'm a beer drinker. I, I, I but I, I couldn't I couldn't conceive. No, not that I, much alcohol. I, I couldn't Come. conceive. You know, I mean, you know, beer. You know, four pints of beer versus four pints of gin is yeah, like gin's a lot higher proof. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, we're we're talking like three percent alcohol versus like, you know, in some cases eighty to. Yes. 80% alcohol. That's that's insane. Gin, gin is very high. Very high on the Yeah, I mean, scale. it's like drinking versus, you know, it's like drinking Gatorade versus drinking gasoline, you know? <laughs> but, to, but to try to get things a little lighter. Um, mm -hmm. and The next two are uh, uh, two bits. One's from Monty Python and one is from The Life of Brian. The first one is um, The Argument Clinic. And it's just a little quick skit with uh, Graham Chapman in it. Oh, this this is brilliant. I love this. Thank you so much for, for getting this one. Yes. You're welcome. I'd like to have an argument, please. Certainly. <laughs> have you been here before? No, this is my first time. I see. Do you want to have uh, the full argument, or were you thinking of taking a course? Well, uh, what would be the cost? Well, yes, it's five. It's one pound for a five-minute argument, but only eight pounds for a course of ten. Hmm. Well, I think it's probably best if I start with the one and see how it goes from there, okay? <laughs> Fine. I'll see who's free at the moment. Uh, Mr. Dubake is free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> Try Mr. Barnard, room 12. Thank you. <clears throat> what do you want? <laughs> well, I was told outside. Don't give me that, you snotty face, you <laughs> for parrot droppings. <laughs> what? Shut your festering gob, you tit. Your type makes me puke. You vacuous, toffee-nosed, malodorous pervert! What? I came in here for an argument! Oh! Oh, oh, I'm sorry, this is abuse. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see that. That explains it. Yes. Oh, no, you want 12A next door. I see. Yeah. Sorry. Not at all. No, that's all right. Stupid git. <laughs> this is abuse! Yeah, I love it. I love the little parting shot, too, and the door closes. Stupid git. <laughs> oh. Uh, so brilliant, and and of course, I've just recently suffered uh, uh, from some actual uh, abuse from a, a, a wretched individual in my life. So I can appreciate that uh, greatly at this moment. I like that. Yeah, I was trying to think of one that really focused well on him, and that part mm -hmm. of the skit really gave him a nice little. <laughs> oh no, uh, that's speaking part. Perfect, perfect. So. And then, of course, you know, we have the movies. You have, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You have the meaning of life. And you have the life of Brian. Oh. And the just the not the Messiah part of that entire thing just makes me giggle. And you played a teaser for it earlier, so let's hear the whole clip. Very good. And one of my personal favorite movies of all time. Definitely in my top ten. Oh! 
just so lovely so irrelevant you know it's irreverent it's it's brilliant (laughs) it's 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 a brilliant uh commentary and satire about organized religion and uh the importance of individuality and um you know about not not being a a a splitter (laughs) yes you know I mean, it's 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 about tribalism. It's about um, it, 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 again, it's about individualism and tribalism and and just and the overhype of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, it's a brilliant film, and again, one of my top ten favorites of all time. And again. Uh, directed by Terry Gilliam, and he, Terry Gilliam can do no wrong in uh, in my eyes. Well, he's he said some ugly things about people, but as a filmmaker, yeah. he is he's pretty brilliant. Yeah, he's he has some really great talent as far as it comes with films. Yeah. And even the Monty Python, he was a lot of fun. Um, but um, now I want to close things. It's kind of like a sad note, but it. It's done in classic Monty Python style. Uh, I wanted you guys to hear the part of the eulogy that, that was broadcast on the BBC. Um, mm-hmm. This is John Cleese's eulogy for Graham Chapman. And it doesn't end in sorrow. It ends in laughter. No, it I does. I can tell you that. Does Graham not. Chapman, <laughs> co-author of the parrot sketch, is no more. He had ceased to be. The rest of life, he rests in peace. He's kicked the bucket, hopped the twig, bit the dust, snuffed it, breathed his last, and gone to meet the great head of light entertainment in the sky. And I guess that we're all thinking how sad it is 
that a man of such talent, of such capability for kindness, of such unusual intelligence, should now so suddenly be spirited away at the age of only 48, before he'd achieved many of the things of which he was capable, and before he'd had enough fun. Well, I feel that I should say nonsense. Good riddance to him, the freeloading bastard, I hope he's found. <laughs> and the that's, reason I feel I, I should want. say this... That's the stuff I want, he would never view. forgive me if I didn't. If I threw, threw away this glorious opportunity to shock you all on his behalf. <laughs> Anything for him but mindless good taste. I could hear him whispering in my ear last night as I was writing this, all right, please, he was saying, you're very proud of being the very first person ever to say shit on British television. If this service is really good, just for starters, I want you to become the first person ever at a British memorial service to say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So this is a very profanity-laced episode of It Came From Cleveland, and what a way to end with with that uh, for... Yeah, if you watch the clip, yeah. it's got pic- it's got reactions from the audience, and everybody's there, you know, Eric Idle, you know, Michael Palin, all of the Monty Python people are there. There are kids in the audience, too, and everybody is laughing. You can see the pain in their faces, but they are at least laughing, and that's the way Graham would have wanted it. And that's, you know, that I think that's the way a lot of us would want it. I mean, I, I you know, if, if if we're, you know, when I when I die and if we're not like constantly riddled with plague and disease and it can be done, you know, you can do it virtually. Doesn't matter. Um, you know, uh I I just I I I really I would want somebody to to be irreverent and uh crass and fun. Because I don't want that. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable and awkward. Just make people laugh and eat sandwiches. That's what I would like. Heck, I'll, I'll dance to some of the hair wolf and the monster ma- monster songs you do. So there, there you, you go. go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and hire some strippers, male and female. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a midget thrown in for fun. <laughs> sure, why not? So... Uh, but you know, I, uh, you know, that, that, that was, that was really touching. So, uh, thank you for that because, you know, they, these are, uh, these are dark times and the, the Python guys, they got it decades ago. They got it. Yes, they are. And we are losing them one at a time and it's scary. <laughs> I mean, when in darkness, somebody has to, to, you know, Show the light, right? Yes, and and make fun and make people laugh. You know, when you're in, when you're hurting, it's great to make people laugh. That's why I was really sad for Betty White. But once I started watching her clips, I was smiling again, and that's what she would have wanted, and that's what Graham would want for people to smile. Very nice, very nice. So, um. 
But anyway, um, anything else uh, you want to add uh, to this, Michelle? Your segment? No, I, I think I covered it all. I covered all the bases that we really need to. I mean, just just watch Graham Chapman. He did some amazing stuff. He was he was way underrated too for because you know Cleese and Palin and uh, and um, um, oh gosh Eric Idle kind of were the guys who really kind of got a lot of the spot, spotlight. But Graham Chapman was an underrated genius uh, in in my eyes. He was, yeah. and uh, his his life may have been sad in certain points, but. You know, heck, even watch Yellowbeard. Come on. Graham Chapman's in that, too. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Never forget. So, uh, all right. Well, there we are. We're we're uh, at the tail end of the show. Um, and, Michelle, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's let's run our end credits music right now, provided by Kill the Hippies. Thank you, Matt and Melissa. Um, what other parting shots do you have for everybody tonight, Michelle? Um, laugh. Love. Enjoy. Uh, we may have this pandemic going on, but there are still things that we can do to try to keep our, our spirits up. You know, don't lose track of your friends. And if you have some enemies, uh, ignore them. That's what I do. <laughs> Very nice. Very good. So, um, Miles, what do you got on the way out? Uh, yeah, uh, everyone be uh, safe out there. Proper distancing. Omicron is a real threat, even, you know. To those that have been uh, vaccinated, it's 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 a danger. Uh, so play it safe. Don't take unnecessary risks. And by all means, uh, avoid committing sedition whenever possible. <laughs> true, true. And there is an Omicron uh, booster on its way, but there is no sedition booster coming, unfortunately. They wouldn't take it anyways. Yeah, they wouldn't. All right, and Joe, you get the last word. Tell us uh, uh, how you're feeling and what's coming up on the Tim Coromel Show. You there, Joe? I, I am. I bleeped out. Sharky, what did you do? Oh, Sharky. He's always been <laughs> making trouble. All right, well, go for it. Listen to the Tim Coromel Show this week. Um, uh, Anthony Fauci... Uh, discovered a new virus uh, this week so um, we'll be covering that is it there a virus it that makes people stupid <clears throat> yeah it's uh, called morons oh and, mor- uh, <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> yeah so um, and how <laughs> and how <laughs> so you, you you might want to listen uh, to what you could do to uh to prevent getting infected by a moron. Uh, there's a lot you can do. Um, you can wear, like he said, ear-canceling uh, earplugs. <laughs> um, but it is. It's it's a it's a new virus. Multiple obnoxious, repulsive, and obstructive nitwit syndrome. Oh, oh nice. Wow. <laughs> okay. Understood. So, uh, yeah, Anthony Fauci ran into it in Congress this time. Oh, yeah. So we'll be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be covering that for you. And uh, that's about it. And watch some of those shows. I think you'll enjoy them. I agree. All right, everybody, have a terrific week. We'll see you next week on It Came From Cleveland.
Hey, Macarena.